so much news to cover. The fake nerds were not there. What a sad day it was. Hey guys, welcome to the 152nd <laughs> episode of the Fake Nerd Podcast where we're not talking about Comic-Con. Oh, man. That's later. Wow. wow. What's up, Fake Nerd Podcast 152? <laughs> I said it. I'm Ryan Leopolis. I'm glad I got that intro right. I'm joined by Sparks Witty. Yep. That's me. Ben Magnet. Yeah, what's up? And over the phone for the first time, Brandon T. McClure. Hey, what's up? What's up? You're in Los Angeles. Yes, after a seven and a half hour drive. Ooh, that's spicy. Yeah. It's a long drive. Sorry, bud. I wish you could be here, that's but, uh, you know, circumstances. And time. Yes. Right. We have a long, a long road ahead of us for tonight, guys. Oh, that we a great is, day. This is just like last year, except... Better and longer. Except that... You guys weren't coming back from Comic-Con that yeah. caused us to do it late. Oh, oh that's true. Yeah, I oh, that's right. We were coming back yeah. from Comic-Con. We, re- yeah. we recorded our episode in my room. Oh, yeah. The Incredibles 2 episode. Yeah. Oh, that was the Incredibles 2 episode? Uh-huh. We did the Incredibles 2 review, and then we did the Comic-Con special. Oh, Hell yeah. We hated wow. life. No, we loved life. Well, Comic-Con's so the wait, best. So guys, wait, we're this was also things. back when I drove to Monterey after that. Oh. <gasps> Oh, shit. Yeah, I remember that. That's gross. So we're doing The Incredibles 3 today, right? Yes. Uh, that's it. I mean, Marvel did announce Fantastic Four, so it's the next best thing. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. So uh, what's up, guys? How's, what's your, up? How's, how's the week going? This was a busy week. It was a busy week. I can't believe this, this week's you already for, here. You forgot we saw Midsommar this yes. week. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I work, I'm working a lot these last two weeks, which is understandable, but I forgot I saw a movie this week that I really liked. I forgot trailers came out at the beginning of the week because of Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. It was a packed week, guys. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll start, though, uh, Midsummer. I got my I got my Hereditary Part 2, guys. I got it. Yeah. I really like that movie a lot. Uh, uh, we'll review it soon. Yes. Ben. Yeah. Did you like it? Uh, now that you've had time to reflect, because I know it is not your type of movie. It is still not my type of movie. That's it fair. was different yeah i i mean that in a good way no, yeah yeah because those type of movies i mean you guys know i don't really like those movies but it was weird like you can tell i mean there was a part of it where i think oh maybe everyone is gonna get out alive maybe things aren't gonna be as bad as i think they're gonna be no spoilers you didn't see hereditary <laughs> no i didn't see hereditary yeah. i didn't see hereditary and uh that is some creepy shit it's a summer festival for of love uh huh. What a yeah. lovely thing. It is yeah. A, oh, that is a weird movie. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, if he did, if he makes that kind of movie once a year for the rest of my life, I'm I'm I, I have a reason to keep going. I'd be accepted. <laughs> I'd I'd accept even like every three years every or so three, as yeah. long as as long as he keeps doing it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, let's see. I watched some more Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yeah. Uh, I got to the part in the show where it gets really sad and yeah. things are happening, and I'm like, oh right, I remember why I really liked the show as a kid. <laughs> uh, the the. Uh, mature tones and the subtext were completely uh, ignored when I was like 12, 13 watching the show. But now that I'm adult and it's like, oh, depression, real life problems, anxiety, father issues. I'm like, oh, wow, this show's made for me. <laughs> this show's great. Uh, so I did some of that. Uh, I played more Zelda. Mm. Did you get past that part where you rage quit? No, I quit that area and went uh, to go fight another boss. <laughs> uh, okay. So I'm working, on, uh, I'm working on the big bird man. Oh, oh the bird. The big bird. All right. I shot some bombs at some things. That was really cool. All right. And then, uh, did I do anything with you, Sparks? I don't think so. We saw that movie. We saw Cabin in the Woods with Ben. <gasps> we watched Cabin in the Woods. Oh, That's you right. watched Cabin in the Woods? Yeah. We did. We made sure that Ben had seen it. I yes. finally nice. saw it. We, we followed up Midsommar the next day with Cabin in the Woods. What would you think, Ben? Yeah, I really like Cabin in the Woods. It's definitely, it was a really good movie. It was, it was 
let's okay. Midsummer was really trippy and like, oh god, that was weird. Where, excuse me, whereas Cab in the Woods was like, yo, I like this. This is like a really meta style uh, horror movie that it knows it's a horror movie but doesn't know it's a horror movie. And it's like they got all the horror movie tropes. I'm like, oh man, this is great. This yeah, is just Cabin gr- Cabin in the Woods is a favorite of mine. Yeah, it's yeah. I really enjoyed it. I re- and that ending, I was not expecting that ending. Holy yeah. shit! Uh, I loved when we were watching it, and you're like, and like people who haven't seen it are like, oh, that's a trope, and like, oh, he's like avoiding the tropes, and I'm like, oh, we'll just wait till you watch this whole yeah, movie because yeah. like you're clearly like seeing what they're designing. They're doing what they're doing. And yeah. I'm like, oh, Ben, you're picking up on it. It's, I love it. One of, my, w- one of my favorite things is when they're looking at the, at the screens and they're like, everyone else has failed. And like the, the Japanese girls, the evil has been defeated. Yes. yes. Frog. Yeah, watching Ben be bewildered by things happening was totally enjoyable. Yes. Like the second Chris Hemsworth shows up and he's like really, really smart and he's telling um, uh, what's her name about, oh yeah, this, oh yeah, so-and-so, Professor So-and-so, he has lame lectures, but read this book, it's easy to get through, read this book, and he's talking about like these quantum physics or these like yeah. really high-level college textbooks that I would never pick up on this my life. This is like, you know, like I'm young, like, oh, hunky Chris so, Hemsworth. Yeah, so he's not just the uh, the jock that everyone knows is gonna get laid and, ha- and die halfway through the movie. He's a he's sociology like, major. He's like really freaking smart. Yeah. This is but he still throws a football around. And even you, can, the, you can be both. And the stoner guy who is, oh, he's just incompetent. He's going to suck. He's very like, yeah, I smoke weed, but I'm also very competent and very uh, um, into, uh, um, articulate. Articulate. There, there we go. Yeah. That's why, that's why, of, yeah, that's why I really like that, that one. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I feel bad for Drew Goddard because like he made that movie and then he made Daredevil and then he got taken off Daredevil to make Spider-Man and then the Sinister Six stuff didn't happen. And then he made uh, Bad Times at El Royale, which which is a good movie nobody saw it right just like he makes these awesome little things that just like <clears throat> oh man he deserves a win like a big win sure yeah, he really so does he's one of my favorites yeah he's really great so uh, that, that's me that's yeah me. what's yeah. up i don't have a lot to add brandon yeah. how was your week yeah. uh it's really busy uh, as you guys know the episode didn't go up for a whole week not a whole week not a whole week almost a whole week a few days. Uh, that, yeah, was, yeah. that was partially because I was so busy this week trying to get ready to go up to Monterey for my cousin's wedding, um, which I was at yesterday. Um, and they're not going to listen to this, so I can say it was awful. Love. Uh, I mean, yeah, I hate weddings just in general, but my cousin's wedding was just like, Okay, we're gonna go. We're gonna hop on a bus and go to the redwoods that we spent three thousand dollars for because Selma Hayek was there. Spend two minutes there, get back on the bus, back to my uncle's house, and wait three hours in the sun till we get food. And the food is terrible. But did you see Selma Hayek? No. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. It was awful. And then I, that was basically all I did, and so I kind of lost out a lot. I didn't get to work that weekend, and I didn't get to go to Comic Con, which I found out. I, if I had a ticket to go to Comic Con, my parents would have let me go. Wow! Oh, mm. should have tried. I know. Oh well. Oh well. It's okay. We have all the Comic Con news coming yeah. for you. Yeah, a lot of my friends. Yeah, are, we do. A lot. Of, I had the week off of work this week, which was just sublime. Yeah. It it was great. That must have been nice. It it was it was great. Not not to try to rub in your face, Brandon, but I was like, oh god. I hey, we all get this. we all get breaks. I, yeah. I needed this. Break. I had I had a five day I had five days off like two weeks ago from a wisdom teeth it was great yeah it was, it's awesome isn't it and i have to go to work yeah. tomorrow and i don't want to go and i'm Man. dreading it but that five those five days uh i was sitting there at home and i was just like you know what 
if I never worked next to another human being again, I'd be really happy. I'm going to work towards that goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Yes, having the week off was great. I did a lot of stuff with you guys. We went and saw Midsummer, which was trippy. We saw Cabin in the Woods, which was really good. We saw the movie we're talking about today. <laughs> yeah, we We're talking w- about a movie today? Yeah, we have words. And but it's funny because a lot of my when Comic Con was like around Friday night when Comic Con was like really going in stride when a lot of the, like when uh, the Cats trailer came out on Thursday, a bunch of people it's were, not even Comic Con related. Uh, yeah, no, it's the not Cats even, trailer no, broke. No, Comic-Con. here's the thing: the Cats trailer hits Comic Con, and a bunch of my friends are like, "Hey Ben, aren't you at Comic Con this year?" I'm like, "No." They're like, "Why aren't you at Comic Con?" I was like, "Cause I didn't get a badge." They're like, "Well, you should be at Comic Con." I'm like, "Then tell the people Comic Con to give me a badge then." Otherwise, I would have gone. Hear that Comic Con? Just give us patches. I'm, I'm broke, so I'm I'm good. I'm staying at home. Just time. do it. It was it was really funny watching like the news of Comic Con dropping, and we'll get to it. But like once the Cats trailer dropped, nobody at Comic Con was talking about Comic Con. Everybody was talking about Cats. Yes. Yeah. Deservedly, uh, <laughs> Cats broke Comic Con. <laughs> Hell yeah. So dude. I I did work a lot this week. I worked a lot of long days the past few days. And I was so physically exhausted that I came home and I was like, I could be this physically exhausted in Comic-Con and losing money or making money. And I'm kind of okay with my choice. Yeah. Even though I'd really like to be at Comic-Con, boy, I remember how draining that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This went- is the first year I haven't been, like, well, almost a decade. Wow. Wow. I've been once. <laughs> That's yeah. cool. Actually, on Saturday, I was at uh, my, um, a friend of mine. She, it was her child's first birthday party. So I was there seeing her and seeing the baby. And she. And then the subject of Comic-Con came up. She asked me, she's like, wait, you didn't skip Comic-Con to come to my son's birthday, did you? And <laughs> you should have said yes. And I'm like, no. She's like, okay, good. Because if you had a chance to go to Comic-Con, I would much rather you have gone oh, to San Diego. Brownie uh, point. I was she like, yes. whoa, really? This is your kid's first birthday party. I th- thought you would like me here. Eh, he has he has a second and a third. It's fine. <laughs> he's not it's even going to remember it. He's pro- he's, do- he's not even, He doesn't know who I am yet. But Was the kid cute? Yeah, he was adorable. All right, uh, we got a lot to do. Yes, do we? Shall we jump into it? I jump guess. In. Uh, to our bread and butter, then. Mm. Nom 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 nom. And here is your bread and your butter. Here's your bread and butter. Okay, okay, not in my ear, thank you. All right, guys. So let's start off some really tragic news. Yeah. Uh, Jesus. There was a arson attack. Oh, yeah. It uh, Kyoto Animation's Studio One building in the Fushima Ward of Kyoto, Japan, uh, shortly after 10.30 a.m. their time on July 18th. Uh, Kyoto Animation is famous for such works as Full Metal Panic, The Melancholy of Haruhi Shizuma, Kaon, and Clanad. Another victim of the arson attack on Kyoto Animation died overnight Friday in the hospital, taking the death toll to 34, with another 34 still in the hospital. Among the Jeez. dead... 26 victims were in their 20s and 30s. Yeah. That's awful. Yes, it's really, really devastating. Uh, I do have a lot of details about this because it's, it's a massive thing. Uh, Hideki Hata, president of the company, said many of the dead were young women, including some who had joined in April. The standard time to begin a new job in Japan. Hata told Reuters he had this month paid uh, the newcomers their first small bonuses and believed they had bright futures ahead, adding, quote, I just don't have words. Kyoto Animation is known in the anime industry for treating its staff very well. The average age of its employees was 34. Shinji Aoba has been identified by police as the suspect who set the blaze. Aoba was captured and held by studio workers and was himself badly burned by his arson. 
Quote, I did it because they stole my novel, he allegedly told police. Uh, they plagiarized my work. Call the president. I have something to tell him. Huh. A, a few weeks prior to the attack, Kyoto Animation had received a number of death threats. Company president Hideki Hata said that they did not know whether the threats were related to the incident as they were sent anonymously, but he had told police and lawyers about them at the time. It is one of the deadliest massacres in Japan's history since the end of World War II and the deadliest building fire in Japan since the Miyojo 56 building fire in 2001. In addition to condolences and messages of support from world and national leaders, fans and businesses have raised over 1.7 million U.S. dollars to help the studio and its employees recover. As a result of the incident, some works and collaborations by the studio have obviously been delayed. So That's, this wow. was insane. Yeah, Japan has a a ridiculously low uh, a murder rate. Yes, they, they're they have, they're on top of their crime. It's so very this low. is like the biggest mass quote mass murder in their history. Yeah, basically. and it's this this is. Devastating. It's really crazy. It is. It's it's heartbreaking, especially to an to an anime studio, studio that was so well well known and well beloved. Uh, and it's, it's all like young people too. Yeah, it, especially in a sense of like a sen a, a sense of a fan of anime having gone out of control, taking things way too far, and punished a whole lot of people for it. Yeah. Um. Awful news. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I wanted to cover it because I, yeah. obviously like Comic-Con dominated the U.S. Uh, media stream this week. Not a lot of people were talking this o about this over here, but this this happened earlier in the week, and it, it was crazy. I couldn't believe it as I was reading it. Yeah. Well, one of the things about that is, you know, this is horrible, but it didn't dominate the news here because it's normal here. That's horrible to say, but like a, a, a massacre kind of like this is just... It happens all too regularly in this country. For sure. And that's yeah. and that's one of the reasons I definitely wanted to touch on is because I'm like, this doesn't happen in Japan. It yeah. this yeah. Is, hasn't happened in This Japan. is bizarre yeah. and upsetting. Uh, and it should be regardless, but especially the fact that it's happening over there, just as you said, like it does happen far too often here. But the fact that it happened over there is just terrible. Yeah, um, yeah that's awful. It's it's terrible either way, but this is... I, I obviously heart our hearts go out to everybody affected by yeah, it. Man, this condolences is, to everyone. Yeah, this man. is just really, really sad. And I just I like honestly, if I didn't know like the bare minimum of checking where anime information comes from, and I didn't have people who were into that stuff, I wouldn't have heard about it. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, I didn't see it like on I. I don't think I saw it like on IGN or the big place. I saw it on like a, a small nerdy website. Yeah, uh, yeah I saw it. Was, yeah. I saw it because I follow uh, BBC News, and BBC News is much better about covering world news yes, when it's are. major like this. And they sent it out, and I was like, oh, what? Yeah, I fa I found out about the fire because uh, people I follow on Twitter. Um, there's a prominent anime YouTuber called Gigguk. He's based in the UK. Mm -hmm. He's a huge anime fan, and he tweeted about. He had multiple tweets about the fire, and that I learned from that. Emma Fife, uh, Super Butterbuns, all three big anime fans. So they're like, "This is horrible. Yeah, this is some really bad. This is god awful." Yeah. Uh, I don't have the specific names, uh, but I do know that at least uh, two of the dead were like some of the top creators at the anime studio who had created some of the like highest beloved IP for the studio, and they're gone now. Yeah, uh, and that's just awful. You know, awesome that people have at least been raising money to help out and everything. Uh, awful, awful news. We'll now move on to happier things. Uh, yeah. Ryan, do you want to tell me about GameStop this week? Power to the players. Yeah, I would love to tell you about GameStop. Okay, cool. My name's Ryan Leopolis. I'm one of those players. Let me tell you about power. <laughs> okay, no. <laughs> this uh, start, this went to a completely <laughs> no, different tangent GameStop I thought it was going is, to be. Holy shit. GameStop is on the way out. 
And uh, every year they're trying to find more and more ways to stay relevant, to stay uh, profitable. So uh, uh, they've basically turned into like a hot topic, right? Or like a uh, uh, what's the other equivalent? I don't um, know. What's the, the mall? Cent- well, they 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 do like like like, like an box FYE. Yeah, like they have pop figures yeah, and, and sure. they have a yeah. bunch of stuff that they used to not have. Right. They're basically like a side hot topic now GameStop. They are now going to open up. Now, this isn't, they haven't said if it's going to be inside GameStops or a completely different store, but they are opening up their own retro store to sell retro video games and, and uh, toys and merchandise and stuff. Mm. That's basically the news. Uh, it's really early, but like, yeah, we're going to open up a new store uh, t- for nostalgia, basically. Sure. And in the world we live in, that makes a lot of money. It unfortunately uh, <laughs> does. Yeah, it totally does. Um, well, no, I think this is. A, I think I actually. I think this is a really good idea for GameStop. Uh, as you alluded to, Ryan, GameStop uh, took itself off the market. They've been trying to find a buyer for a couple of years, but nobody would buy. So the stock plummeted. Yep. They had nothing left. So this is a this is a good idea for them, and I think this could actually save them in the long run. But yes, true. But I don't think anyone really cares about GameStop anymore, and they're just trying to find ways to stay relevant. Uh, no, that's, but yeah. that's but that's true. Yeah. That's definitely true. But when you but when they like rebrand like something like this, like we know the Toys R Us is coming back this holiday season. Sure. With a re- with a rebranding thing, I think what rebranding like this to move away from newer games to kind of go into a more like you know neon. Yeah. Uh, which is what I get the impression they want to like tap into that market or um, what's that retro game store Ben by, by you? Oh, uh, um, Lost Levels. Yeah, Lost Levels. Yeah, something like that. I think that's the direction to go, and hopefully it works out. Because you know, I don't like seeing companies go out go out anyway. But GameStop's a pretty bad company, though. <laughs> I I mean, I I think that this is very similar to like what happened with Borders and stores like that. Is that you, in this current age, it reached a point where the prices that would be marked on things there were so outrageously high because they were trying to turn the profit as high as they could. Right. But you could go other places and get the same products for less. Oh yeah, they they th- like I I understand why people shop online a lot. I I also miss going to the store for some of my things. But at a certain point, it became they driven people to the online stores because their prices were just too too high. And GameStop yeah. has been suffering from that for a long time when it comes to video games, especially in the used market. So if when they do this retro one, they can bring down. The prices, I think they'll see a better turnout of profit. Yeah, uh, it's it's the smartest play is to do something to change because obviously that they're not functional anymore. Yeah, they're not making the good business they want to. Yeah, uh, even then, um, I remember going to the the Northridge Mall, Brandon. I I think I was with you when I bought my Mega Buster. Yeah, uh, yeah, like half of their wall was I mean yes they had the PlayStation Xbox and Nintendo stuff but they had this huge giant wall for toys and collectibles yeah. and a lot of that stuff I think I don't know if the company that owns GameStop also owns the online nerd store Think Geek do you guys know about that No he, no they they're owned by the same people Yeah they're yeah. owned by the same people they so obviously Think Geek Yeah so yeah. Think Geek is all their merchandise which or Think Geek was originally just an online store I mean they have a booth at Comic-Con every now and then but it's just an online store They got that Think, money Think now. Geek actually Think Geek is actually opening uh, uh retails retail locations now They oh. they make good business Yeah cuz look at all this cuz stuff like Think Geek it's all just hey we have stuff for everyone video games and comic nerds We have stuff you can't get other places exactly. which helps yeah. So for GameStop going into retro um, retro games, it makes me a little happy because I remember back in the day when retro, 
I want to say like mid two thousands specifically when re- or when retro video game stores were up and around, and then they, that market died. It's coming back again. But what also makes me nervous is knowing GameStop, they could just be digging themselves a bigger hole because knowing them in retro games, they're probably going to upsell them. Whereas I go to Lost that's, Levels that's I or hear. I could go to Retro City or Southern California Game Expo, find the same game in a better condition for half the price they're selling at a GameStop. And even then, you got but, people like yeah. Frankincense that have hundreds. How many booths did we see, Sparks, at Frankincense that a had a lot. whole? Oh, countless. Yeah, I can't even. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, part of me is like, cool, GameStop's try, trying to find a way to make it better. But at the same time, I feel like they're trying to just, they're just grasping at straws to stay afloat. Yeah. Oh, so, they absolutely are. They absolutely are. But what, what GameStop needs to, what I feel like GameStop needs to move into is less so about a retail and kind of more what a comic book store is, you know, that, that, for video games, like that kind of bartender situation where people can go hang out buy things and talk to the people who are behind the counter about vi- video game culture and video games like, like you'd find at a comic book store. I think that's probably what they want to try and try and move to. I if mean, it works, it, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, hey, you know what? Sucks to be that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, every time I go, I've been to a GameStop, like I chat with the guys about games. Like I oh, think yeah. any store you go to that focuses like you chat with people at the movie theaters about movies. Yeah, like, I, I think a, that's kind of instinctually about where you just work. When I went and bought God of War last year, I had a really nice conversation with the girl behind the counter about yeah. the game. She yeah. was wearing God of War t-shirt and she was like, oh my God, how excited are you? I'm like, you have no idea. Yeah. It was a good like five minute conversation. Yeah. All right, that's enough about GameStop. Yeah. They get yeah. enough, they get enough uh, nonsense. All right. So Halloween. There was I love the holiday. There were some pretty big announcements. Uh, Is it changing from Comic-Con the 31st time, but not at Comic-Con? to the 30th? Uh, Are they changing No, the they're, uh, every leap year we're adding Halloween 32nd uh the second Halloween, second Halloween part two. Yeah. This is the day. All right. Anyway, uh, uh, so we we all liked a uh, revival film of Halloween recently. We sure did. Uh, they are making two sequels back to back. The whole team is returning. It's Halloween Kills in October sixteenth, twenty twenty, and Halloween Ends on October fifteenth, twenty twenty one. Dope. Uh, I love it. The rumor yeah. originally was that it was gonna both movies were gonna come out in the same month. Now that was too crazy because you can't expect a per- person to see two movies that quickly. I mean, I would, I would do it. No, we <laughs> would do it. We but like, the, the the four of us would do it. Like marketing and business. Man, could you like, imagine like just like top of October or just say bottom of September, Halloween kills. Two weeks later, Halloween ends. The and only, it's like, man, go check this out. Here's our double features. <laughs> the only movie that's yeah. ever done that that was this close was the Matrix sequels. They mm. came out six months from each other. They came out at the end of one year and then like the middle of the next year. And that's never happened before. I remember that. Yeah, it was I like six months. Hasn't, hasn't happened since. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I remember going to the movie theater to see uh, the last Matrix movie. I thought, hey, the second one just came out. Yeah. How long did that come yeah, out? That, that was... one didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what, it would work. Yeah, it would work. 100%. The beginning of the, so I'm re- of the month. I'm, I'm really happy about this because a couple, like a month ago, we were hearing that they were moving forward with the sequel to Halloween, but none of the original team was returning. Yeah. Um, so I'm really glad that, you know, Jason Blum put out the, the you know, like David Gordon Green's back, uh, John Carpenter back, like Laurie Strut. We're all, we're all coming back. Danny we're McBride. all making these last two movies. Right. Uh, I also like that they're going into it like we're, we're telling a story to an ending. Uh, I'm way about that because that was my whole thing is that I really wanted them to do this and bring Jamie Lee Curtis back and then be like, okay, done. The end of this story. And that they're going into it like we're not setting up sequels. We're not doing all... Two more, story, end. Yeah. Solid. I love it. I'm looking forward to this because I think that was one of my... Why I loved how the the 2018 Halloween, a lot, 
was that this is an end to the story. This she finally got him, and then you don't see. And of course, there's that shot of you see Michael in the cellar. Then the camera goes to the family. They're out of the house, and then it goes back to the cellar. He's not there, so you're like, damn it! Hey just, man, if you've seen Michael Myers, you're kind of expecting yeah. It's just no. one of those things where you're just like, just die already. Not not only that, this has never happened in the slasher series genre ever. They've never announced two sequels at once with an intended arc. To an end. Yeah. This has not happened before. But since, this is awesome. But since they say that this is intended, we're going to end it. That's it. I'm actually looking forward to it. Yeah, it, it gives me a lot of it gives me a lot of uh, hope because I really liked Halloween 2018. Um, but I, I wanted it to end there. Right. But yeah. with the idea that they're coming back and it's the same team and they're not they're not doing it for the money. They're not doing it for anything else. They're doing it because they have a story. That gives me that that says to me like okay four four good Halloween movies in a franchise I'm in because yeah. you got it, now Halloween it, Halloween and these two yeah it's not like um Michael Myers versus Freddie Mer- Freddie Mercury I want to see that movie Freddie <laughs> Mercury I I also I kind of love the titles Halloween Kills yeah. and Halloween Ends I I really like it I really really yeah. like it. I, especially Halloween ends because it's like, hey, this is the end yes. of this story. Uh, no more. Yes. Uh, there are definitely other films within this franchise that are no longer this continuity that I like, but this uh, having an ending is going to make me like this a lot. I mean, I did like the original it's never Halloween happened. too. We've never seen an ending to a Michael Myers story. So this is this is awesome. Yeah. Just, that, uh, you could argue back. that Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 had an ending. You could make that argument, but that's that would be the only one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Glad we're all stoked. All yeah. right. Hell yeah, dude. Halloween. <laughs> uh, Ryan's very excited about this Warhammer 40k television series. What is this? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I guess he's not. Uh, Big Please Light- read. <laughs> Big Light Productions, led by the man in the High Castle creator Frank Spotnitz, has teamed with Warhammer 40k rights holder Games Workshop on a live action TV series, Eisenhorn. The series will be set in the Warhammer 40k universe where mankind teeters on the brink of annihilation. While humanity's armies wage unending war across a million battlefields in the darkness, a secret conflict rages fought by the agents of the Imperial Inquisition. Drawing from sci-fi, fantasy, and crime genres, Eisenhorn will see Inquisitor Gregor Eisenhorn and his band of investigators fight to thwart the monstrous schemes of aliens, heretics, and demons before mankind's doom is sealed. God. Damn. Spotnitz will act as both showrunner and executive producer on the series, which will be based on novels written by New York Times bestselling author Dan Abnett, Guardians of the Galaxy, X-Men, and the Horus Heresy. We are, uh, this is a quote from him. We are delighted to collaborate with Games Workshop to develop the beloved visionary world of Warhammer 40K into a TV series. Warhammer 40K is is steeped in rich and complex lore with a myriad of traditions and stories that have accumulated over time in this thrilling and complex world, making it one of the most exciting properties to adapt for television audiences and the franchise's loyal global fan base. There is nothing else like it on television, and we are incredibly excited to tap into our own experience creating imaginative, complex, and compelling worlds to bring this incredible saga to the screen. There is nothing like Warhammer 40,000 in the universe. Let me tell you. Is there a network attached? Uh, this is Am- uh, I'm pretty sure this is Amazon Prime. Yeah, the man in the high good. castle. Yeah, good. yeah. 
Uh, so yeah, um, Warhammer 40,000 takes place in the 41st millennium, obviously. It's about the Imperium of Man trying to extinguish religion from the universe, right? This is all about them furthering science. So what happens when you spend a thousand years conquering the universe in the name of science, and then interdimensional demons come from somewhere else, ruining your entire philosophy, your entire way of living? It turns half of the Imperium into demon, like, in, in, demon, uh, heretics. It's the greatest galactic civil war that makes Star Wars look like a PG, like, uh, kitty cartoon man it is horrific and graphic and it's insane and like it is too big it's like it took until now to be able to get this thing made it is so bombastic and crazy like you need a huge budget and i do want to say star wars is a kitty cartoon well, you know what i mean i'm trying to say like <laughs> like like the galactic civil war in star wars is literally nothing compared to this literally bit like billion spanning destruction destructive war it's like it, just thinking about the scope of it and what they do in video games and and comics and stuff is great. We've never seen it in like an animated or live action form or anything. So this is like truly exciting to have the world uh, be introduced to one of the coolest uh, worlds in in uh, entertainment. That's yeah, all. man. I'm beyond beyond excited. Especially. I am very interested in what this is going to look like. Yes, because like I showed you guys like a quick a quick trailer. Like it's it's about giant giant like. Uh, genetically engineered uh, men fighting orcs and space elves, and it's 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 crazy. It's so crazy. It is. I'm so I'm so stoked. No, I saw this gif on Nine Gag last night that I think you would appreciate. Right, it's just this guy who finds like a a waifu picture, and he keeps everyone who gets who holds it gets called a heretic and shot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. If I can find it, I'll show it to you. Heretic. All right. Hell yeah. So very exciting, Brandon. Uh, any interest in this? Oh yeah, I mean Ryan. Ryan uh, loaned me one of the novels, and I, I, I haven't had a chance to pick it up yet. But, oh yeah, I forgot you know, he did that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he he sold me on the idea that you know it's deeply political and and kind of you know the things I like in Star Wars are in, are supposedly in this in spades. Yeah, so super I'm, rated I'm, R Star Wars. So I'm totally interested in something like this. Yeah, and uh, Man in the High Castle showrunner is exactly the right guy for the job. And like the, I've been interested in Man in the High Castle for a long time. It's really yeah. good. That first season's dope. Um. I'm specifically interested because they mentioned Dan Abnett's The Horus Heresy. And that is about, like, the greatest prince of all time becoming, like, this Darth Vader, just, like, killer. And, like, they said the word Horus. And if, like, you're a Warhammer fan, the word, the character Horus is, like, is Darth Vader. And, like, that is, like, truly exciting that, like, we're getting it. It's happening. This is, this is like, when Iron Man came to theaters. Like, this is going to usher in, a, like, a super crazy age of this cyberpunk military 40,000 years in the future nonsense. That's yeah. all. That's hopefully awesome. it does. Hopefully it does well enough. Hell yeah. I hope yeah. so. Uh, moving into comics news from this week that is not from Comic-Con. Uh, quite a bit of it. Can you believe yes. it? Uh a Power Rangers Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover. What? With writer, uh, Brandon, correct me if I say this wrong, Ryan Parrott. Or Perot? That's how I would say it. Okay. Uh, and the artist, Simone DeMio. Uh, it's a five-issue miniseries. It will see Tommy as the Green Ranger form an alliance with Shredder. Quote from uh, Parrot. Honestly, I'm pretty certain keeping this project a secret has taken years off my life. These two iconic franchises were my TV parents, each teaching me valuable life lessons 30 minutes at a time. The Power Rangers and the Ninja Turtles are too insanely awesome not to bring together. I mean, they're both color-coded teenage martial artists who fight monsters. It just makes too much sense. Uh -huh. A huge thank you to Hasbro and Nickelodeon for letting me play with so many of their wonderful toys. It is truly an honor to be a part of such an exciting crossover. I'm the luckiest kid in the world, and I cannot wait for you all to see what we've been putting together. Yeah, um, Boom has been doing some really great stuff with the Power Rangers, um, stuff I've been really interested in getting into. Uh, I've read bits and pieces, but never the full thing. 
Um, and uh, IDW has been doing really great stuff with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because, you know, they have um, Eastman and Laird back on the book, and they have been for years and years and years. Yes. And that's some pretty, pretty interesting stuff as well. Uh, I think this is a, a really good idea. And the Power Rangers have been crossing over with the Justice League, and that was a, it was also a good series. So there's no reason to think this is this isn't going to be good. Power Rangers crossed over with uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the in the show too. Yeah, look at all this. Yeah. Look at all that Power Rangers love. This yeah. is this sounds really cool. I mean, yeah, it just absolutely makes sense. Like they cross over with Batman with Justice League. Like this is actually the best pairing. It yes, makes, it totally uh, makes sense. yes, this franchise blends really well. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, moving on. Tales of the Dark Multiverse. This is my shit. This will uh, explore classic stories, 48-page stories set in a different dark multiverse. Tales from the Dark Multiverse announced Batman Nightfall with writer Scott Snyder and Kyle Higgins and artist Javier Fernandez. Coming out October 16th, it will revisit the 1993 Nightfall crossover where Bruce Wayne had his back broken by Bane and Jean-Paul Valley uh, took over the mantle of Batman. In the real DC Universe... Bruce eventually recovered and took back the mantle. In this alternate universe, Valley remains in power and becomes a tyrannical figure called Saint Batman. Hell yeah! Thirty years oh. after the events of Nightfall, the only hope to free Gotham is a new figure called the Son of Bane. Heck yeah, oh, baby! Oh shit! Well, that sounds really good. Hell yeah! Yeah, I'm I'm very excited for this. I love the Dark Multiverse. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I I rave I rave a lot about Justice League. Um, I, I really I really like the idea of the Dark Multiverse, and this is a really good idea to really dive into that premise. And this is Scott Snyder, so I'm I'm excited. Kyle Higgins ain't no slouch either. No. That is great. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Tales from the Dark Multiverse, The Death of Superman, mm. with writer Jeff Loveness and artist Brad Walker and Andrew Hennessy, coming out October 30th. In this alternate universe, Superman stays dead, and a vengeful Lois Lane is transformed into the Eradicator. Rather than carry on her husband's legacy, this Lois becomes obsessed with stopping the never-ending battle between heroes and villains for good. And the company's press release also teases future issues will focus on Infinite Crisis, Blackest Night, and New Teen Titans' The Judas Contract. Hell yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm excited for all of those. Uh, real quick, though, it's very strange that they call Lois uh, Superman's uh, wife because they didn't get married till after the death. You're Superman. right. Mm. You're, you're 100% right. Spicy. Maybe they're just saying it in like uh, regards of like how we know Lois now, not necessarily yeah. representative of that story. Probably. Maybe. Yeah. But Who still, knows? But still, Lois becoming the Eradicator? Sign me up. They could literally, just like with a certain Marvel thing that's going to be, you know, what if stuff, like this, any story they can tell, as long as it has a title, you know, story from the dark multiverse, I'm going to buy it. Right. 100%. Yeah. Just like Brandon, like I, I wasn't super crazy about the overall story of Dark Knights, but like the concept and the characters are a 10 out of 10 Ryan Eliopoulos joint. <laughs> Did I did I tell you guys? So I was I was listening. I was reading Justice League, and they flash back to the creation of the universe where um, the Monitor, the Anti Monitor, and the World Forger were all born. And the the Monitor's like, "Oh, how's it going, brother?" World Forger, and World Forger's like, "Fine, I'm just making some universes." And I made this dragon thing called Barbados, and he just holds up the holds up a little tiny Barbados, and Barbados just goes, "Er." Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I thought was really funny. He's a demon. He's a demon. Uh, in further comic news from DC Comics, Birds of Prey with writer Brian Azzarello and artist Emmanuel <sighs> Lupacino, Man. Ray McCarthy, and Trish Mulvihill. Coming this fall, the new team features Black Canary, Harley Quinn, and Huntress as they team up against a group called Las Esposas de la Muerte. 
Synopsis, uh, Harley Quinzel, Dinah Lance, and Helena Bertinelli are all powerful as individuals and become an unstoppable force when together, but you need to break some eggs to become the birds of prey. Eh. Luckily, none of these heroes have a problem cracking heads, certainly not a post-suicide squad Harley Quinn. Needless to say, the birds are back in town. Black Canary's life has spiraled out of control, her personal life is going through the ringer, and her band is in crisis. An old flame resurfaces only to flicker out and set Dinah on an all-new mission against an all-new opponent, Las Esposas de la Muerte. The only thing Dinah can be grateful for is the fact that she's not alone, as Huntress finds herself on a collision course with Black Canary's quarry at Detective Montoya's urging. Ooh. Meanwhile, Harley <laughs> Quinn has resurfaced outside of Gotham City and out of the Suicide Squad with a new lease on life that is sure to make everyone's life more complicated. And that's only the first five pages of this dynamic new ongoing series. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. I, again, like we've talked about it before, like, uh, I don't want Harley Quinn to be everywhere, but... But has has Azarello ever written Harley? No. Okay. No. That's why I'm I didn't excited, think so. Because I that dude, despite him writing <clears throat> uh, uh, the Batman movie we don't like, killing right. joke. the Killing Joke, uh, that dude's a phenomenal comic book writer, uh, and his DC work is super great. Like his Wonder Woman run is the maybe the best Wonder Woman run. Right. Right. Uh, I'm very excited for this book. Uh, it's definitely in ties to the movie that's coming out later. Like it's synergy. Um, that's why. Harley's, oh, yeah. That's why Harley's in this book. But uh, Brian Azarello writing it gives me a lot of hope. A lot of hope. Same. Yeah, there's a lot here that to like, but there's also uh, I'm super interested in, in the idea that you know, uh, Batgirl, uh, Oracle, you know, they're synonymous. Like Batgirl in the New Fifty Two, Batgirl was on the Birds of Prey. Mm -hmm. uh, Poison Ivy was on that, so there is a precedent for like Harley Quinn to be on the Birds of Prey. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is weird. This will be the first time that that the Birds of Prey hasn't had Barbara Gordon. Yeah, maybe that's going to be a, a late edition or something they're trying to hide. Who knows? Because didn't uh, didn't Oracle well, Oracle was a bad guy for a little bit in, in recently, right? Is that is that mistaken? Like, there was there was a bad there was a so I mean it's a really contrived reason, but yes, there was a bad Oracle, but it wasn't Barbara Gordon. Okay, okay. I just remember that happening. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I think it was her like it was her like consciousness in a computer that turned bad it was weird it was okay. weird i'm into that's I'm, some stuff i'm into i'm definitely interested to see azarello's take on this yeah because <clears throat> i i definitely don't think it's gonna be like like pg because that dude writes like he writes metal that dude's a that's a hard metal guy. right yeah so i'm interested so let's pivot away from dc and look at marvel for Jeremy a little bit Piven. beware the ghost writer <laughs> with writer ed brisson and artist aaron cooter yeah. Coming out October will spin out of Challenge of the Ghost Rider from Avengers. Challenges. The brothers Ghost Rider are back. Johnny Blaze ain't just the king of hell. He's the warden too. Oh my God. He's the first line of defense between the demonic hordes trying to escape the joint and the lords of other hells making a play for his throne. Oh and my all God. the power that comes with it, including a certain evil queen from his past. Meanwhile, Danny Ketch never wanted to be a Ghost Rider. Now that his brother's in charge downstairs, Ketch must take on the duty of Earth's spirit of vengeance full time, no matter how much he'd rather be doing anything else. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm really. Yes. So, so the the go so the challenge of the Ghost Riders is the next story arc that Jason Aaron is doing, and it's going to see Danny Ketch, uh, Robbie Reyes, Johnny Blaze, Frank Castle as the Cosmic Ghost Rider all team up against the Avengers. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. very excited for that. I'm very excited for this. Same. Yes. Yeah. I yes. love I love that they're, Bring back Catch. They're not ignoring Danny Catch yet. Yeah. That dude in an alternate universe is Machine Man, also a very cool character, but he's also Ghost Rider and he he's kind of just forgotten. And I'm like, I'm so glad, man. This Loving is, the lineage, it's all there. Yeah. Uh Amazing Spider-Man Full Circle. 
with writer writer Jonathan Hickman, uh-huh. Nick Spencer, oh. Jason Aaron, Chip Zdarsky, Al Ewing, Kelly Thompson, and Gary Dugan. Wow, those are all good writers. <laughs> Artists Valerio Shiti, yeah. Chris Bacalo, Rachel Stott, Chris Spouse, Greg Smallwood, Cameron Stewart, and Michael Allred. These are October. This is, this is too good. A summons from S.H.I.E.L.D. leads Peter Parker into a globe-spanning adventure that will test him as never before, one in which the future of all mankind lies in his gloved, webbed hands. Who is the mysterious prisoner in the steel box who keeps propelling the wall crawler onward? Nick Spencer and an all-star team of Marvel's biggest writers and artists take up the challenge to create the wildest, maddest, most unconventional, amazing Spider-Man story of all. Guest starring Nick Fury, Wolverine, and Peter Porker, the spectacular Spider-Ham. Yeah! Well, that sounds like a lot what, of great writers. What is this a event, a miniseries? Like, what is it's it? It's a miniseries. Yeah. Is it weekly? Is it monthly? <clears throat> I would imagine with this team it would be monthly. It, it, does, yeah. it doesn't say. It's probably I, I monthly, it be, but... It sounds like a weekly thing because Avengers No Surrender had like nine writers on it too. Man, I'm excited. Yeah. Dude, Hickman touching Spider-Man, just like Hickman touching anything makes me right, happy. Right, yeah, yeah. Like, this just makes me think like, okay, he's obviously doing X-Men stuff, but he's 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 in. Yeah. He's in it. He's writing yeah. everything. I'm so happy. Marvel Zombies Respawn with writer Philip Kennedy Johnson and artist Leonard Kirk. When Galactus's corpse appears at the edge of Earth's solar system, the Avengers, X-Men, and Fantastic Four investigate. Too late, they discover that Galactus's body is now the vessel of an interstellar terror, which one by one transforms Earth's mightiest heroes into the universe's most terrifying predators. As our heroes try to escape the superpowered cannibalistic aberrations that were once their friends and family, will any survive? And even if they do, can they hope to protect Earth from the infestation that has already claimed half of the known universe? Hell yeah. Leonard so this Kirk. is a complete <clears throat> reboot. Yes. Yeah. Leonard Kirk did the art for some Immortal Hulk, so he's a good artist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, I love him. He does yeah. horror stuff, so this is perfect for it. Yeah, this yeah. is an entirely new take. I'm cool with that. I and am still too. including Galactus in it, which is I neat. am too, because the, the original Marvel zombie story kind of ran its entire course. I don't think you could Dude, there was a there was like return. Marvel Christmas zombies issue. Like, yeah, yeah. They absolutely ran their course. <laughs> it ran that's, it that's straight said. into the ground. Yeah. That said, if they ever can figure out the licensing issues to get at, to get uh, Army of Darkness versus Marvel Zombies published again, that'd oh, be great. Boy. I'd love to read that again. Sure. That'd be really cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm into that. Uh, the Batman's Grave yeah. with writer Warren Ellis and artist Brian Hitch, a 12-issue maxi-series coming out October 6th. This series will follow an iteration of Bruce Wayne and Batman who obsessively identifies with those who have been murdered and immerses himself in their lives and obsesses over every detail of their deaths. The story itself sees him looking into the victim of a particularly grisly murder and employing his aforementioned intense methodology. The team that brought us the authority now turn their talents towards the world's greatest detective whose current case forces him to inhabit the mind of a murder victim with a half-eaten face without filling the empty grave next to those of his parents. But first Ellis and Hitch get into the mind of a butler. Once a week... Rain or shine, Alfred Pennyworth walks to a little cemetery plot in the Wayne Manor grounds. He meticulously tends to Thomas and Martha's headstones, plinths and slabs, weeding, cleaning, polishing. But how much longer before there's another Wayne memorial to tend to? Within this dynamic duo's new comic lives a Batman with an almost psychotic identification with murder victims. He immerses himself in their lives and obsesses over every detail of their deaths. Even as Batman would process the evidence and approach the perpetrator from one side, he would live inside the life of the victim as they approach their death. Wow. Warren Ellis is writing this, right? Warren Ellis is writing this. Yeah, it's a 12 issue right. series. This is awesome. Right. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know if I've ever if he's ever written Batman. He's mostly a Marvel guy. So it's really cool. He's written he's written Batman before. Has he? Okay. Uh, it, it, he did a I know I know specifically he did a Batman story that tied into the Authority. Um, no, sorry, Planetary. Oh, uh, this authority. was a while. Oh, okay, a while ago then. Yeah. Okay. It has been a long time since he's written Batman. But okay. yes, I know he's written some Batman. Uh, 
Warren Ellis is a very heady, intellectual type of guy. And this sounds exactly like the type of Batman story he'd write. Mm. Like getting into the minds of a murderer with yeah. Batman. I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Every Batman's been around for 80 years. We've had a lot of takes. Like, it's always cool when we, wow, there's still a new take we can do. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm into this. Ben, what do you think of this? Oh, the Batman thing? Yeah. I'm into it. I yeah. mean, because Batman's always been uh, that character that I, I think a lot of psychology uh, majors will just love to tackle. I mean, there's even, I, I think it was like the University of Virginia that actually had a course called the Psychology of Batman. <laughs> I could be wrong, but. It's taught by the Joker. No, I know there was this college course somewhere that said the Psychology of Batman. So having a book like this where Batman delves into the lives of a murderer, right? But, or lives of a, a murder victim right before they die. I was like, that sounds like something Batman would do. Let's do with a half eaten face. Yeah, yeah, that's messed up. That sounds awesome. Y- you thinking of Killer Croc or uh, Two Face? Uh, I'm thinking it's a new, a new person. I'm thinking, I'm oh, okay. thinking it's not even going to be something we'd expect. Yeah, yeah, could be. A, it's Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Actual out in your backyard is Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> wow, uh, Brandon, you, you into this? I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if I'll pick it up uh, week uh, monthly, but I'll definitely. Uh, pick up a tray for this I mean, one. there's, it, there's it definitely a lot of comics on this list that yeah. are already exciting. We oh haven't boy. even touched Comic-Con. Oh so. I mean, like, the second yeah. you said Hickman's talk, writing Spider-Man, I'm thinking, oh boy, because already, like, just here, like, today when we went and got lunch, hearing Ryan, how excited he was for Jonathan Hickman writing X-Men, and that's coming out when? Next month? Next week. Yeah, next. that's coming out next week. I'm dying inside. I'm, I'm thinking, it's like, all right, well, I know I'm going to My pick- wallet just got lighter. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll talk about it, but announcing seven new X-Books, oh my god, my yeah, wallet. Yeah. Is he writing them all? <laughs> no. Okay. We'll no, get no, there. No. We'll get there. We'll get there. All right. One last bit of comic news. Metal Men. Oh, yeah. With writer Dan Didio oh, and oh. artist Shane Davis and Michelle Delecki. It's a 12-issue maxi series, and it will introduce an nth Metal Men. Yeah, uh-huh. this is coming straight off of. Uh, so I got the I got the tab open for this one, but it's coming straight off of uh, Dark Knight's Metal. They reintroduced the Metal Men. Yes. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see where this one goes. Dan Didio's not the best writer. <laughs> um, he uh, he certainly got his hands full with being the editor in chief of, of of DC. Yeah, I was going to say we haven't really seen him touch anything for a while, and I feel like that's partially for a reason. What was the last thing yeah. he wrote? Does anyone know? Did he have any involvement with some of the Arkham Asylum comics? Because he was involved in the game for sure, I think. No, he no? didn't. No? Tomasi did, though. Okay, okay. Oh, no, you know what? He did write, he like, wrote Arkham City. Because there's like three different Arkham books that like had a bunch of people on them. Mm. Yeah, he wrote he wrote Arkham City. It's been a, he, he shows up on books every now and then. He did a New Age of Heroes book uh, for like three issues. He doesn't yeah. stay on a book. Yeah, yeah. But this will, this will be interesting. I'm, I'm curious about this I one. Saw I, like... some, uh, I saw some um, uh, preview uh, uh, art for the book, and it looks—it does look really nice. And I—I I know very little about the the Metal Men. Like I have like the basic knowledge, but uh, the art's really nice and has a like, really cool style to it. Uh, I just don't know if I trust Dan Didio's writing. Mm. So we'll we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I feel that. Yeah, this one might, might be a, a wait and see. You see yeah. how the reviews are looking. Uh, I'd say with everything else on the list, this is definitely like a I'll hold off to here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Me too. Uh. All right, guys. Let's move on into our trailer talk. Let's start with the first one that only you and I watched because because it, it's the only one. Oh, of course, just, of course. Okay, one. we didn't put this on the list, no. but um, yeah. Ryan reminded me. Three from Hell. Yes, Rob released Zombie's a trailer this week. Three from Hell is the follow up to the Devil's Rejects, which it's, was a sequel to House of a Thousand Corpses. The Devil's Rejects is his best movie and arguably an incredible good horror movie. One thousand percent. Devil's Rejects is Rob Zombie's best film. Uh, seeing Three from Hell come out is awesome. It's really cool. 
I'm very excited about it. I am very excited that they are bringing in uh, the actor who played Doomhead from 31. Uh, speaking of 31, for me personally, this film has a little less appeal because I got a little Sherry Moon zombied out from 31. She definitely got her most overuse of any of Zombies films up to that point She's in 31. She's not the best actress. No, and uh, 31 is where they pushed it. I feel you. Yeah, uh, and that's a shame because outside of that, I, I'm very happy to see stuff moving forward yeah. for Three from Hell. But Joe Chill from Batman Begins... Who's that actor? Yes. We don't know his name, but he's now a main character in this movie, and he is really good at being sleazy and scary. You he's got, got a, a crazy smile. Y- you do have to watch 31 for his performance. Yeah. He's the, I, I he's the thing it. of that yeah. movie. No, it's not like it's not a bad movie. It's just not as good as you want it to be Yeah, coming from Zombie at that point in his career. I feel you. Uh, but Doomhead is wonderful. Cool. Uh, the movie opens with him. He's excellent. Doomhead is his name? Doomhead is his name. That's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah. Uh, so that was for Ryan and I. Uh, let's move on to Ad Astra. Yo. Yeah. Yo. Hey, guys, I told you when that first trailer came out, it's my most anticipated movie. Man. And I'm the re- second trailer. I'm really excited to see Tron Legacy in space. Hell yeah. Oh. <laughs> I got I got less Event Horizon vibes from this one than I did the first trailer. I did, I too. Did, I did, too. Uh, yeah, man. This poor guy hasn't seen his dad in a long time, and his dad might be the reason the world's ending, and he has to go stop him. That's some shit. And there's, there's some cool imagery in this one. And yeah. there's like lunar uh, uh, gunfights where there's they're like, on the moon. Uh, there's yes. a lunar base now. Yeah, which that's like it's yeah. like, with a casino. Yeah, yeah. There's some really the, cool stuff that's like that's like the, world building that I did not expect. Uh, the the like civilization on the moon made me think of um, Canto Bite. No, Pluto Nash. Oh, God. Does anyone know what I'm talking I about do. here? Okay, I, okay. <laughs> okay. The, the I only Eddie Murphy rem- movie. I oh, only dude. remember Pluto Nash from the trailers. And how bad people said that movie was. Remember when the bad guy was a clone of himself? Uh, Yes. I remember Pluto Nash more Uh, than I should. Was Kevin Spacey the robot in that movie? Not Kevin Spacey. Okay. Uh, uh, Who was that? uh, The guy from Independence Day, Randy Quaid. Oh, okay. And he's bald. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Holy shit, that movie's awful. (laughs) That ruined Eddie Murphy's career for a while. (laughs) I'll be honest. I I remember really enjoying that movie, but I haven't seen it since I was young. I watched it a lot as a kid. Uh, Brandon, did I tangent hard? Uh, I, you got any Pluto Nash feelings you want to throw out here? Rosario Dawson. I've never, I have never thought about Pluto Nash. <laughs> Rosario Dawson. Like, even while I was watching it, I was not thinking about Pluto Nash. <laughs> there, there is never a moment where Pluto Nash has ever passed my mind. Excuse me, it's the adventures of Pluto Nash? See, that's yeah. how it's, it, it, uh-huh. inconsequential yes, exactly. it is to my mind. Yeah, yeah. I can't even believe I was able to find the name in my brain. I was like, I know Casino on the Moon is making me think of something. Um, anyway, Ad Astra Ad Astra looks, looks awesome. really great and not at all like Pluto Nash. No. <laughs> and it's, so, it's really great to see a marketing push for an original science fiction film. Uh, that, I'm, uh, it's going gonna, gonna to bomb. Yeah, yeah. You, you were saying, yeah. no, I'm really, I'm really happy to see uh, this trailer pushing forward. I'm glad that... Uh, I feel like Brad Pitt is in a bit of a I'm not, I don't want to say renaissance cuz that's not it but like he's he's taking more interesting uh, roles more interesting remember roles remember what yeah. i told you like last cuz he went away for a long time remember what i told you about bad pit how he's a character actor trapped in a leading man's yes. body yeah he's now realizing oh i can just be a character actor in leading roles i think that might be i think be since the case. Glor- honestly since inglorious bastards and then he did burn after reading like late uh, 2010 stuff that's when he's like oh i can be silly and still make money yeah. i don't have to be well he's Brad he's Pitt. also he's also in this point in his career where he's certain he's retiring soon like he's talked about he's retiring soon mm. um, so i think he's picking roles that he's interested in uh, because he has nothing he has no shits sure. to give he's just kind of like 
whatever. If they bomb, I they bomb. But I'm I'm out anyway. He's been doing these kind of movies, honestly, for a long time. It's yeah. just like people just only saw him as the handsome guy. He was in Twelve Monkeys, Terry yes. Gilliam's uh-huh. from the early nineties. Like, yeah, he has been a crazy actor for a long time. He's just so effing no, handsome. No, the, the the day you said to me that he's a character actor trapped in a leading man's body. I was like, oh man, yeah. that's so true. Uh, like yeah. Aldo Rain from Inglourious Bastards, that's when I was like, oh, I, I, I don't look at Brad Pitt the same way again. Sure. This dude is a phenomenally fun character actor. Yes. Uh, I want my scalps. I'm, I'm, really, uh, I'm really into this. Good for Ruth Nega yeah. getting uh, billed in this film. I didn't know she was in it until we saw the trailer. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, Brandon, you remember who Ruth Nega is? She yeah, was, she's from Ages of Shield. Yes, the girl in the flower dress. She's also been yeah. on Preacher. She's on Preacher. So this is a great gift she's for her. She's done a couple indie small movies, but like this is awesome. This for is her. like a big push for her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Think, no, I just like how at Astra it takes place in a future that's that feels it's not far off because it's like yeah we have a, a uh, we have a lunar elevator now we have a, a base on the moon we're exploring it's the it's far- like the beginning of Valerian. Yeah, it kind of is. Like in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah, like in the Not middle all of the, the beginning way through. of Valeria. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I really dig it. That's like, hey, we, we really want to explore space. We're going to go explore space. I'm like, man, I, I like that. It feels, just from the vibe of this trailer, like the most c- close to real prospect of, of a future that we might be heading for. Yeah. Uh, just what it visually is displaying. Yeah, yeah. I feel that. Uh, I'm interested, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, at Astra, guys. Uh, everyone should go check it out, Please I think. see it. Uh, it's expensive. Yeah. I would really like, I'm actually really after this trailer. This trailer sold me completely. I was like, no, I want. I really want to go see this movie now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the Kingsman. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I think everybody has some feelings on this. Um, Brandon, let's start with you. This is uh, kind of one of your most anticipated. Yeah. So I was really bummed when they pushed it to February. Um, there's not a lot in this trailer, but from what I did see. Uh, it is Matthew Vaughn doing World War One, and I love Matthew Vaughn's style so much that it's it feels unique, something we haven't seen before. It doesn't feel like this is a Kingsman origin because it kind of feels like the Kingsmen are already around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was a little that was a little strange for me. And Aaron Taylor Johnson is nowhere to be found. And uh, was, he's he's Rasputin. He's what? What? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's why he's I'm ex- Rasputin. That's the o- that's the main reason I got excited for this trailer. Because Sparks, you told me Aaron Taylor Johnson was the bearded guy. Yes. And, I was, and this is before I rewatched the trailer. I'm like, oh yeah, whatever. I don't remember the bearded guy. And then when we watched it, I'm like, oh, he's Rasputin. Uh huh. This is when he. Okay. Gets, the, yeah. I was really excited when I saw Rasputin in this because I'm because I I you know what ever since Hellboy and uh, Anastasia Anastasia yeah make Rasputin a villain. He's kind of he fun. He's cool. a fun yeah. kill, uh, character villain. Uh, now that I know that. I'm like ten times more interested in this film. Yeah, I, honestly, I'm, same. I'm really glad that Aaron Taylor Johnson is not the lead. Like yeah. uh, we were talking about a while back, because I'm like I that d- was what was not selling. I don't me. want him being a prim and proper English boy. I want him doing what he did in Nocturnal Animals when he was nominated for an Oscar, when he's being a serial sociopath monster. And it looks like he's being crazy Rasputin in this, and it looks awesome. Uh, I will say, I again, like I think this does look great, and Matthew Vaughn's a great director. It's got a great style. I, it doesn't say anything Kingsman to me, so. I, yeah, I'm kind of a little reserved. Yeah, because I'm like, wow, this looks like a cool World War One movie. Where's the Kingsman? I I really am bummed. Brandon's on phone, and everyone couldn't see his face when he found out Aaron Taylor oh, Johnson no. was yeah. Rasputin. I, yeah. It was really good. <laughs> I was able to see his face a little bit. I I could see Brandon a tiny little bit on the screen, but oh, it was a good. It was full, wide eyed, both hands to the head. Like <laughs> what? He's like, whoa. Yeah. Uh, again, when now, I don't I don't mind I don't mind stripping away some of the Kingsman elements. Kingsman is a really fun spy film, and I still hold that Kingsman the Secret Service needs to be the basis for every Bond film going forward. But uh, stripping away some of that stuff and going back down to like, you know, like 
maybe maybe we have gadgets but they're not high-tech gadgets they're like what we can salvage gadgets like macgyvering stuff i'm kind of into that uh because i, I like period genre films so much that i want to see them work within that function work within that time period and and show why uh that time period was important for the story sure yeah, yeah. uh i can't pin why it's definitely a personal thing I have zero interest in the war aspect of this. I don't know exactly why. I just do. I don't care for anything related to World War One. Maybe yeah. it's because uh, I don't know. I had a thought. I completely lost it. I don't. I don't know that there is a specific reason. It's just not visually at this moment. It is not the thing making me want to see this. When you think everything of that wasn't a war shot yeah. was more interesting to yeah. me. When you think of Kingsman, you think of like, you know nice suits and like like slick action. And this reminded you of just like a war movie. So it's like it doesn't feel like Kingsman at all. Sure. Am I misremembering or is there a line in Kingsman one where oh Colin Farrell? Uh huh. Firth. Colin Firth. Colin Firth. Colin Firth. Uh, I get those two mixed up. No, when Colin Firth was talking about. Um, the Kingsmen having been founded because all their children went off to war and they had nowhere to spend their money, so they made themselves a spy organization. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, because World War One, a bunch of the lords and highborns um, died in the great in World War One, and then they're like, "Well, we are the money is just sitting there. What are we gonna do with it?" Was but the, what, was I misremembering? Because I, I thought he said World War Two. I honestly don't I remember. Say, I could swear he said World War One because I I have a feeling World War One. That's I'm where they honestly like, unsure. Yeah. I, I want to say World War One. That seems that seems more likely than World War Two. I mean, but, uh, probably is World War One. I, I I haven't yeah. seen it in a little while. Both of us could be misremembering. I'm, I'm sure it. the second trailer will dive into more of like the origins of the Kingsman stuff. This is just like obviously like the first trailer. So yes. It's not going to give us yes. everything. Yeah. Uh, at least visually, it does look good. But like, I need I need more Kingsman in my Kingsman. 100%. Have you guys noticed that there's a World War that there's a lot of World War One, like coming into pop culture lately? Yeah. Uh, since Wonder Woman. Well, movies take a long time to get made, so I think it's just it's just coincidental. Like I think I think that there's been a uh, a realization that what happens is I think uh, a lot of filmmakers are coming from around our generation yeah. at this point, and they're coming up where we learned very little about World War One because World War Two was the most important. Uh, and there, as you get older, you kind of get a fascination with what really was World War One, and I think there's a desire to explore that because World War Two has kind of been done to death. Archduke Franz for right. Man. Uh, I think that's part of what we're seeing. And also, World War One was a cluster shag. Yeah, I was trying to figure it out. I think uh, Peter Jackson's documentary, They Shall Not Grow Old, is World War One. also. Yes, I believe so. So, uh, so it's really interesting just to kind of see this like cultural like resurgence of this war. I think yeah, I think it might be right, Sparks. Yeah, like we actually don't like again. We're taught all about World War Two because we had a lot of footage of World War Two. Like yeah. World War One's almost like a mystery. So the older we get, the more we dive into it ourselves. It's it's very yeah. easy to remember yeah. a lot of the and and part of it is because the United States just wasn't very involved in World War One at all. True. Uh, and World War Two, we were so we learn a lot about it uh, when we were growing up. But we are not taught a lot about World War One. Like I I can't remember all of the key details about World War One. Like the major events, I can remember a hand handful uh yeah. whereas world war ii i can remember many because yeah. it's kind of ingrained in our culture and we've yeah. seen and but almost every war movie is about world war ii it yeah like. and that's and the thing is that and in world war one no go ahead sparks uh, i was just gonna say that uh world war one is a un untapped uh, resource of uh film narrative there's just not there's a lot less about it than world war ii or vietnam yeah. and recently i think the last world war one veteran passed away mm. yeah. so there's no one alive who remembers world war one sure yikes yeah yeah that so makes, it was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, so let's uh, let's move on to the next thing. 
Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Snoogins. That's from, that's from Jay and Silent Bob. Um, Brandon, have you any familiarity with Jay and Silent Bob, as in, like, watched any of those only, movies? I only am familiar because you guys have talked about them. I've never seen Clerks or Jay and Silent Bob. You've seen Dogma, correct? In the only Kevin Smith, The only Kevin Smith movie I have seen is Red State. Oh, okay. You saw I think, Red State? I like that movie. Boy, I think you would like Dogma, my friend. Yo. I, I think so, too. I didn't think you... Because I've seen Red State, too. I didn't think you would see Red State. I thought you would see Chasing Amy, of all I'm films. I'm surprised you've seen Red State, because it's a horror movie, Ben. Don't, don't ask. <laughs> it was... I was watching it with Jeff. My name's Jeff. Thank you. I was watching it with him one day, and it was just, all right, we're going to watch. Because I knew he directed it, and he said it was a, diff, a different type of movie. The first, uh, first type of new movie. Like, the first... Yeah. His first soiree into new types of movies. Yeah, it was. It did was, you ooh. did you listen to the Kevin Smith interview from Empire? No, I did not. No. Uh, uh, he talks about how how Red State was his was his like attempt to make a real movie. Yeah, I feel right. it. I feel yeah, it. I I feel it. Um, I think that this film feels very much like a a love letter to if you're a fan of those film the View Askew, the View Askew universe. Yes. Yeah, uh, if you're a fan of that. This is for you, and it's got some more current pop culture mixed into it. Uh, obviously, some shots at BVS are happening, uh, for sure. Hey, uh, yeah. With Ben Affleck in it, which is cool. Yo, I, Melissa Benoist plays Chronic, <clears throat> and I freaking love that. Yes. I, I really... I don't think this looks like a good movie, and I don't think it probably will be a good movie. But... I really love Kevin Smith, and I like. I think his earlier work is actually really, really good. Yeah, uh, he's become someone who I really respect as a person. I can't say the same about his filmmaking. He makes sure. Of, but, go ahead. But you know what he does? He he. He's talked about this. He does. He he makes the type of movies he wants to see. Yeah. And I really respect that. Like whether or not they're good or not, from our perspective or even anybody's perspective, like I love he Tusk. likes them. So and do the I. fact that he can, the fact that he can like look at his artwork <clears throat> like objectively like that, like. I'm I am in the career I am in the moment of my career where I'm just making the movies for me. Yeah, uh, I I also have a lot of respect for him. I I really enjoyed Tusk. So I, I really yeah. enjoyed Red State, mm -hmm. and I really enjoy all of the episodes he's done on the CW. His episodes have always been great. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, every single one of them. So uh, I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful. I'm sure there will be something to enjoy in this. It might not overall be good. It might not even sit in top tier of the Viewers Universe, but I'm I'm happy that there are so many people coming out to support it and be part of it, and that's awesome. Yeah, this, this got me interested in watching the other films. So, yeah, um, this movie specifically has been in talks for a long time. Like, it was originally going to be a TV show like a year ago, right? And then and then he was like, "It's not happening." So, like, I just need to make it myself. So he funds his own movies. Like, he's he's like a he's like an independent filmmaker in the truest sense. Yeah. Uh, I just I wish I liked his newer stuff. Like, I liked his older stuff. Is all. Yeah, uh, and I mean, like, he, I, I can only think of like what was the sequel to Tusk. Oh, it was it was not oh, a, Yoga Hosers. Yoga, yoga Hosers. Hosers. It's not a sequel to Tusk. Right, but I mean like it's set in that universe kind of thing. Yes, um, it is. It that's the only it has one evil that Nazi That's the sausages. only one that like that's really, really bad. Right. Yes. And everything else in his recent work, I've been happy with. Actually, now that I think about it, yeah, it is only Yoga Hosers. Because yeah, I, yeah. I like Tusk and Red Yo State. Yoga Hosers felt like a misstep, but I, I also kind of understand that like y you got a lot of blinders on when you're working with your children. But he also literally made that for 13-year-old girls. He did. So a lot of people aren't going to like that movie. Right. Yeah. Yoga Hosers? Uh, yeah. Oh. Yes. Yoga it's, Hosers it's made for did, teenage girls. Yeah. For his daughter. It, it was basically him making a movie for his daughter and Johnny Depp's daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he shows up in that movie, which is crazy. Right, That's, he <laughs> he doesn't do that many things. He's the biggest star in the world. Shows up and it blew my mind when he was in Tusk. Yeah, it's awesome. It's pretty good. I, I was surprised to see Ben Affleck in this. Yeah, me too. Uh, he he and Ben Affleck 
for all intents and purposes, haven't spoken in years. And so, uh, yeah, and so uh, I listen to a lot of Kevin Smith podcasts, and it's not out of any animosity. It's just Ben Affleck's a really big actor guy, and just yeah. you know how friendships happen. Um, right. But the fact that he's in this movie shows is is really really str- showing a connection to their friendship for twenty years. That's uh, really cool. And, and Matt Damon coming back too. So him and everybody, Damon, him and Damon being in it and uh, collaborating, I'm really happy to see because Every, like they yeah. they've always had a good good reputation. Uh, like long lasting connection with Kevin Smith and it's nice that they're returning to every, every single character and actor from Jane Silent Bob Strike Back is in this movie yes yeah. in, in every capacity it's super fun I'm fine with it I really enjoy Jane Silent Bob Strike Back I it's do. one of those because I have seen Clerks and I really I when I, good. No, when I first saw Clerks, I didn't appreciate it as much. I was like, oh, wow, this this movie's kind of lame. It's why is it all black and white? And then when I was an adult and I could digest it a little bit more, I'm like, no, oh, no, Clerks is actually pretty good. It is. Like when Dante shows up and says, man, I'm not even supposed to be here today. I was like, wow, it's, I feel it, that. Kevin Smith is a really, really great writer. It's a weird thing yeah. where, like, I think arguably every single film in the View Askew universe is a film that you have to see at the right time or it doesn't land for you. Yeah, I agree. It's very yeah. odd in that way. Yeah, like, I'm definitely going to go see this movie. Um, Back when it was on uh, Netflix, I would I binge-watched uh, Comic Book Men, and every time Kevin Smith would show up, I'm like, oh, yeah, Kevin Smith. I, like, I even told some of my friends that I consider Kevin Smith one of my patron saints of, ner- of geekdom. Absolutely. Because he's just, I like, every time I hear him talk about nerdy stuff, it's just like, man, this guy knows, he loves talking about he's it. He's one of the reasons that I try to stay positive, because that's what yeah. he tries to do. Yeah. He's like, no one wants to so be I'm def- I mean, I'm, I mean, I, this movie, and I, I agree with you, Ryan, this movie's probably not going to be a good movie, but I'm still going to go support it, because I really I, like Jane Silent Bob. I'd love to do a, a reflection on the View Askew universe, uh, get Brandon into it also. Uh, it's, it is, and I did mean what I said, like, it's not that you could you have to enter the entire universe at a certain time in your life. It's that kind of all of those films individually represent different points in your life where you would connect with the film or you won't. And it's really weird how you'll either hit or miss that. Uh, Clerks also didn't land with me the first time I saw it. Uh, also, but, but Dogma did. La- and lastly, then Mallrats landed with me way later. Oh, I love Mallrats. <laughs> Mallrats so is great. I've That's only, another one that was trying to get uh, something made and never happened. Yes. I haven't seen Mallrats. I haven't seen, I haven't seen... The only movie Kevin Smith movies I know for a fact I have seen are Clerks, Red State, and Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. That's it. Uh, let's the final word on on Jane Silent Bob. Uh, I really appreciate Strikes Back because it that came out in two thousand and two or two thousand three or whatever. That's about superhero movies. Right. Kevin Smith is a real ass nerd who wrote comic books and loves nerdy stuff. So like he's talking about how these superhero movies are getting big. And now his thing is about like, oh, we're rebooting the movie that we did. Like, I think that's a really smart, funny idea that only he could do because he made that movie. Right. Uh, I think it's really neat. Good for him. I'm happy it's happening. Yeah. Uh, moving on, Scooby-Doo Return to Zombie Island came out of nowhere. No idea this was happening. Uh, this kind of comes off the tail uh, of the 13 Ghosts I thought uh, that's what, sequel. This, what this was. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the 13 Ghosts sequel happened. And that was, uh, from what I understand, really well received. I've watched some, not all at all, uh, of these recent Scooby-Doo films. And most of them land all right with me. I almost never like the trailers. 13 Ghosts was actually the only one I did like the trailer for. Um, But most of them I don't like the trailer. I watched, uh, there's one called Scooby-Doo Franken-Creepy. I watched that one on accident. It's all about how Velma, like, kind of goes nuts and becomes her own, like, Frankenstein uh, person. And that movie wound up being hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so it's really weird. It's kind of all over the board uh, how these movies can land. 
my initial instinct is I'm really excited to go back to Zombie Island because has everybody seen Scooby Doo on Zombie Island here? I saw it once when it came out. So, so Scooby Doo on Zombie Island is my favorite of the animated Scooby Doo films. It's far very none. much. Uh, I think that is a lot of people. Did that come out like early two thousands? Uh, 1998. 1998. Okay, so yeah, yeah that's a, yeah. Uh, Scooby Doo on Zombie on Zombie Island tends to be everybody's favorite Scooby Doo film for a, good reasons. Uh, ben, it's the only one I, I own on it. DVD. Okay, I think uh, I haven't seen it in literally 20 years. We we should revisit <laughs> it. Um, it it it. I think it still holds up as like the best Scooby Doo film. What it what was so special about it is this was the very first thing Scooby Doo related that said, "What if." It's real. Yeah. What if the mystery is real? Oh, that's it's not a the, person in the mask. live action movie too. Yes. Yeah. It's oh, not. Yeah. This it's was not the, a. Uh, it's not just a guy in a oh, mask. Man, no. Jenkins. This was the first thing that said, "Okay, but the zombies are real, and the gang has to figure that out." And the it's only thing incredible. weird. Yeah. The only thing weird about that movie, and then we talked about it a little bit on on our, our chat. on our thread spark, sparks, is that the only returning voice cast at the time were um, were Daphne and Fred. Uh, Frank Welker does return as Fred, but not as Scooby. So, Sco- so uh, Shaggy is um, Fry from Futurama. Uh huh. Billy West. And it's it, it's yeah, Billy West. It's so it's so such a weird voice cast, but it works for that film for whatever reason. And the animation on that film is so gorgeous, and uh, I, the film is really well structured. Did you did you look at this at all after yeah. we talked about it? Um, yeah. Because uh, I I kind of picked up on that they some of the cast felt that it was a violation of Scooby Doo to make it real really i didn't know that yeah yeah uh that they were nervous that that was going against the whole idea of scooby-doo and they kind of were just anti that idea from the out get uh i don't know if this is 100 percent true this is just a piece that i saw when i was doing the look into it that they said Mm -hmm. that like specifically casey uh the voice of shaggy oh like casey casual yeah uh casey Kasem. yeah uh he felt that it supposedly he f- was put off by the idea of making the monsters real that it violated what Scooby-Doo had been up to that point which was it was going against the trend uh, but the film was such a huge success I'm Casey Kasem now the whole thing that uh, gets me about this one is I'm very excited f- to return to that continuity uh, the recent Scooby-Doo films have embraced the idea that since then there have been things that they encounter that are man and mask and they have been things they encounter that are real and this kind of implies a, a return to that same line of thought that this has always been the case since zombie island i'm all for it but and i've never had a problem with this new animation that they use for these movies up to this point but (laughs) scooby-doo on zombie island was such beautiful animation seeing those same settings again in this new style puts me off i was gonna say like i thought it looked weird and i couldn't put my my finger on it yeah you're seeing it's because it's because they're they're and they're they're making the animation look as best as they can like the original movie but it doesn't fit because it's a different style of animation. It's almost like an HD remaster of it's, an old style of cartoon. It's really bizarre. Yeah. And yeah. and the thing is like it hasn't bothered me with their other recent releases, but this one I'm seeing the settings that we've been to in that other film and I'm like this is not the detail do in the, the backgrounds same look. look way worse than the characters do or was that just me? I mean, uh there it's a it's just a different take yes the short answer is yes okay uh, yeah. there's there's a whole lot to that but um I, and we should definitely take a revisit i think uh everyone would enjoy watching scooby-doo on zombie island absolutely uh this review this special is, yeah american this classic is ex- yeah <laughs> this is yes. exciting uh but it is bewilderingly weird it did hurt my eyes a little bit and i wasn't sure if it was just me so now yeah I'm glad uh, well, i i hope it's as i hope it's at least close to the quality of that original film i really do too i really hope that the writing at least lands in that way well i have to say yeah. i mean i you guys know i'm not a big scooby-doo guy i mean either yeah. And yeah yeah but listening to sparks talk about how much you love scooby-doo 
kind of makes me interested in watching more Scooby-Doo films. Because I would, like, a few Comic-Cons ago, they had Scooby-Doo meets Kiss. And they actually had yep. Gene Simmons and uh, Ace, and uh, not Ace, um, and Paul, the Starman. Uh, Starchild. Yes, the Starchild. They had them on, lend their voices for I the film. This. I mean, there's there's some movies, that Scooby-Doo movies, that I like. Um, when I first heard they're coming out, I was like, oh, great, another Scooby-Doo film. That's probably going to be, that's for the Scooby-Doo fans. I don't care. Scooby-Doo has a WrestleMania film with John Cena. Yeah, I yes, know. Yes, they do. They yep. do. They really? also have, yes. The only episode of Supernatural I really wanted to watch and I missed was when Scooby-Doo missed Oh, I still haven't watched it. I oh, man, it I forgot that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would love to see oh. Scooby-Doo meets Kiss just because I'm also a big Kiss fan. And I would like to see the WrestleMania episode of John Cena. Yeah. And even the uh, Scooby-Doo Guess Who that's coming. I mean, the yes, new show. the new show. That new show's coming uh, out with all the celebrities. I'm like, yeah. I'd... I'll watch that with you if you, if you watch, uh, watch yeah, it. Yeah, I think I I think I will be soon. Um, be Cool Scooby-Doo is also 100% something I think everybody here would enjoy. That's that new show that a lot of people were that... up in arms about the, the animation change, right? Uh, yes. That okay. was the one that, that got ended in order to have Scooby-Doo Guess Who now happen. All right. Did you ever read Scooby Apocalypse? Yes, I'm not caught up. I fell behind, but yes, I was reading it. Did you like it? Yes, I enjoyed it for it's it's an entirely different take. No, but I, I, that's why I read it and I didn't think I'm it was a, very good. I I did enjoy it, but I think I'm just a sucker for Scooby Doo and, and anything like the only thing in Scooby Doo I truly don't like is Scrappy. I See, love Scrappy. I, oh no 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 Scrappy no screw Scrappy. Um, <laughs> I thought the live oh, action no. film was brilliant for making him the villain. <laughs> I yeah. did too. Oh no, because I didn't like him. <laughs> I, when, I, so I get when, it. So, uh, Scooby Apocalypse, I also read, and I wasn't crazy about it, yeah. uh, because it felt like too far away from Scooby-Doo. Sure. Um, whereas a lot of the Hanna-Barbera relaunch that, that DC did, I really liked. Like, Future Quest, I think, is really good. The uh-huh. Flintstones is really good. Um, but Scooby Apocalypse was just kind of like, okay, I think you went a little too far from what I like from See, Scooby-Doo. that's why I picked it up, because I wasn't going to pick it up if it was just Scooby-Doo, so I picked up the weird, like, hipster, hipster Fred, or Shaggy, and, like, talking Scooby. I just didn't think it was very well written. So I picked and, it like, up. And, I, I like the idea, you know, there was always this fan theory that the original Scooby-Doo series took place in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Yeah. Um, so I did kind of like I did like the idea of like taking that and making it a thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. So there's something off about it. That I, I think if you take another about. crack at it, I think it could work. Yeah. I, I I respect your opinions. I'd like to get caught up on it. It yeah. may be a book club. Who knows? But uh, anyway, this is very exciting on the surface level. A return to the most infamous Scooby Doo film. I think it's also very dangerous because this is the most infamous. It's like uh, the Holy Grail. It is. It is essentially. It is top tier Scooby Doo film. Like when people say like what's top quality Scooby Doo stuff, a lot of people will go straight to Scooby Doo on Zombie Island. That's why it was Zara very prefers effective. Cyber Chase. I was just about to make a stupid joke about so Cyber Chase. I've never seen Cyber it. Chase is really cool. Uh, oh, Cyber is? Chase. Cyber Chase is really cool because what happens is uh, a guy wants to make a video game based off the Scooby Gang, and it get it goes really wrong. And what winds up happening is that the modern Scooby Gang of the time winds up meeting like the old original style of themselves because oh, that's shit, who's in I the game. I forgot that happened. <laughs> Uh, awesome. They meet the game counterparts of them that are like the classic Scooby Doo version. Yo. Original and Team it's Titans really go. cool. Yeah. Yo, I'm into that. Yes, oh, it's that actually really Scooby- cool. That was in a Scooby Doo movie. Yes. Holy shit! I need to watch some more Scooby Doo movies. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Scooby Doo on Zombie Island, though. Uh, a lot it's... of those. A lot of those early Scooby Doo films, I actually really enjoyed. There was the Witches one with the three witches. I, uh, I thought that was yes. pretty good. Yes. Uh, the. Uh, oh man, I forget the name of it. The Witches Ghost. Yeah, me too. Uh, the the Witches, Witches Ghost. Ghost. And uh, there's also Alien Invaders around that time, which was a weird yeah. one, but a weird one in a good way. Aliens. I like that one. Yes. Um, yeah. It, it it subverts your expectations in a really bizarre way. Um, anyway. We'll we'll 
do a Scooby-Doo someday. Scooby-Tah. Uh, let's move on to It Chapter 2 dropped a new trailer. <laughs> this is the trailer I was waiting for. Uh, the first one was exciting. Oh, my God. But I was getting sick of seeing it. There's a cat near the equipment. Sorry, I'm yeah. freaked out for a second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was hoping for this cat to jump on me instead. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it, you know what else is scary? It Chapter 2. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. I love the I love this trailer. Hey a guys, lot. Swamp Thing's in this movie. Andy B. Andy B. Andy B. Makes me happy. Hey guys, fake nerds, watch Swamp Thing. It's probably going to be late this week. That's probably true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, what was the um, uh, well, the sequence where where James McAvoy's in the Hall of Mirrors? One hundred percent. Like oh. I'm so ready. Oh. I'm so ready. So good. Uh, so this good. this is. I'm so excited to watch this like major player cast do a horror movie. Like I'm gonna feel this. I'm gonna feel this so good. The the budget way, on this way movie. to go, Isaiah Mustafa. By the way, yeah. like way to go. Yeah. yeah, I think the budget on this movie is like doubled the first because not only do they pay for all those actors, but like the visuals in this movie just from the trailer alone are like, oh, they're really going to the psychedelic, crazy places that the book goes. Yeah, yeah, I, I love this a lot. Yo, I forgot Isaiah Mustafa was in it, and then when I heard talk, and he said, "I never left." I, I mean, me being dumb, and I'm on a straight, horse. Exactly. I was like, because I'm on a horse. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I like that they're really taking their own uh, take with the mix of the book and, and what the miniseries did and, and taking it in their own direction. I truly, truly hope that the one thing that I don't want to see them abandon from the miniseries is I think personally the most effective thing the miniseries ever did, which is the shower scene. That's from the book, and like if they if they change it, I'll be bummed just because it was done once. Jessica Chastain, uh, she was uh, in a pool of 45,000 gallons of fake blood. 45,000 gallons. It's the most fake blood ever used in a movie. I'm so ready. I am so ready. <laughs> I, I'm very excited. Yeah. I'm so very excited. Yeah, this trailer was, was so good. And this Pennywise talking like, I've waited 27 years. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yes. Oh, man. Yeah, where he's like, I've craved you. Mm. Ooh, little man. little Georgie. Like, what did he say? Like, you let me die or you, you lied. Uh, you lied and, and I, I died. died. Yeah, that's... Because I, I know that's the thing that got Megan in the first yes, movie. Yes, it is. And I'm like, oh, man, it, Georgie's back. Oh, boy. Uh, Brandon, uh, anything else from the trailer popping out uh, that you're super jazzing on? Well, one of the things that's a little difficult for me is uh, I can't remember who plays who. <laughs> like, who are the adult versions of who? Uh, don't worry about um, it. It'll be clear when the movie happens. The guy wearing I'm the sure. glasses is the guy wearing the glasses. <laughs> So like, well, that's the thing. I thought I thought Finn Finn Wolfhard grew up to be James McAvoy. No, I didn't know he grew no. up to be Bill Hader. Yeah. <laughs> um, There's a juxtaposition of all the characters <clears throat> in it. I think yeah. Uh, that's that's when I saw when I when I saw those juxtapositions. I was like, oh, I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, yeah, if you if you know uh, which characters, bad things happen to them. You could like this trailer is like, oh, you know who kind of makes it and doesn't make it by who's in on this trailer a lot. And I'm like, oh, it's kind of bad if you know what the movie, but that's 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 just how it is. I think we're gonna There's get a, a lot of mileage out of it though. Oh yeah. There's yeah. a lot of really great visuals in this. I was I'm I'm always amazed by uh, what Pennywise can do in, this, in these films. There was one sequence we saw it first in the first trailer, but we see a little bit more in this one where he like jumps vertically out of a horizontal vent. Yeah, like Inception shit. Yeah. 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 I thought that was truly incredible I, I don't know why that struck me as no like it's a, it's, a it's great image. it's it's sometimes it's the subtle things that are just off enough that you're like oh just oh yes yeah and that, that's what that's what i thought it chapter one did really well is it is it uh, it it showed you these normal things but everything was just slightly askew to mm -hmm. make you feel really uncomfortable yeah all the time. yeah uh-huh uh go ahead mr stephen king ben magnet shut up hell yeah <laughs> 
No, the freaking scene, the the scene in the sewer where his eye, where he's just sitting there and his eyes are glowing like that yellow glow. Oh, the kids drown. The kids drowning, and it's like it's like uh, it's like a, a skewed. Like you can't really yeah, see it. you can't and, like, see. But him. you see Pennywise in like in like in a. Uh, and he's reaching his hand out. Like his, his hand. hand is the only thing not uh un unblurred. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Like but, then, it, but then you hear him go. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. Yeah. The the. But even. The, <laughs> yeah, but even the so um, the the part in the the, the Hall of Mirrors thing what, that you mentioned, Ryan, was just freaky because first I mentioned see, that. Oh, Brand, Brandon. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, Brandon. No, uh, ben, okay. ben, you mentioned that. You don't remember? Oh, don't. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> no, but first he has like the tongue out, like he, like the Snapchat dog dog filter. Oh thing. yeah, and he's like. But then like it the, it blinks and it's a different facial expression. But the one that always gets me was when his like has he has that super imposed Joker smile, but all of his teeth are just razor. And his uh, his face mask like it's peeling like yes, the, it's, yeah. it's see what's oh. what's interesting. What's so interesting to me, you know, you point out like the really like the the the, the like the teeth sequence as being like really terrifying. What one of the things that really gets me about it, chapter one and in this one, it's not the terrifying images that make me really really scared. It's the subtle ones. It's him. His tongue is just on the on the glass, and that to me is more terrifying than his teeth and the yeah. and the broken glass. It's kind of like in the first it where he's in where someone just looks off into the distance, sees him in the in the in the grass, and he's just waving his de- decapitated arm. Like yeah. it's not. A, it's not a particularly scary image. There's no music attached to it. He's just smiling with a decapitated arm, and I'm just like, holy shit. He's like, hi, I'm yeah. eating this arm. Like, it's that sort of thing, that kind of like, that that kind of like, no, we're not putting attention on it as a scary image. It is it, just a sequence in the movie that really terrifies me. It makes it feel like Pennywise can sneak up on you. Yeah. 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 They're very effective at getting well, that Well, even that in the first trailer where Jessica Jastain, Beverly, when she's in her old house and she sees the picture of Pennywise for the first time. And Are you still daddy's little girl? Yeah, but you see the little girl all beat up. You see him smiling at Bill Skarsgård out of clown makeup. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah, man. I, what, is He's September? always looking at you. October? September. September, September 6th, oh, I think. Oh, boy. Oh, baby. All right. Uh, uh, yeah, very exciting. All right, uh, now it's time for the moment y'all been waiting for. We're going to talk about some feline stuff. Uh, Is that really the last trailer? Cats. Yes. 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 Talk about terrifying. Yes. 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 (laughs) I can only say yes. I give me all the drugs, please. <laughs> I'm ready, Man. baby. So, One drug, so, please. Okay. On a roller so I, so I, I, I did a little research on because I wanted to know what the hell. Uh, first off, let me just say I hate the musical Cats. I think it's terrible. Uh, my my dad loves it for some reason. Uh, I saw it. I saw it on stage for his birthday one year, and it's just awful. I hate it. Um, and you know, you know, I guess a lot of people like the music. I also don't like the music. So uh, just this is not for me. Um, what they did is both kind of interesting and kind of not. So, you know, they built the sets. They're practical sets, completely practical sets. Practical costumes. Uh, very rarely, they don't really use motion capture suits. What they ended up doing was put the equivalent of a Snapchat filter on top of people to give them fur. Yeah. And that's why it looks so weird is because it's just like you're on your Snapchat. And Boy, I, that's, a good, that's a good analogy. That is a very good analogy. And I just looked at it, and I'm just looking at it like, this is not the way you should have gone with this. At anything, it should have been a completely animated film. Uh, so here's, I'll, <laughs> well, I'll put let's it talk this about way. The next movie we're going to talk it, about. I'll put it this way. Yeah. Um, I've seen Cats on stage. Uh, my girlfriend was in it. Uh, she played the girl who sings Memories. Um, All alone. I forget moonlight. that. I forget that ca- character's name. But oh, there's it's a party outside. outside. <laughs> um, she she played uh, that character, and she was excellent. Uh, the 
I am not just saying that, but uh, the show is is also not for me, Brandon. Um, it's all these individual stories. It's it's basically like cat poems about yeah. individual characters. It's about cats. that they dance or sing to. It's yes, yes. Based off uh, a poem book. Here's yeah. the thing. I'm I'm also not crazy about the music. I'm especially not crazy about it when they have uh, synth recordings instead of a live orchestra. It sounds like the Goosebumps soundtrack, and it doesn't <laughs> work for me. I'm serious. It's really not Beware, good. You're in for um, a scare. The one thing that I do think is good about Cats. The one thing I do like about it is the choreography. The dancers are fantastic. When they're dancing, uh, that looks really good. Mm-hmm. What I don't like about this movie is what they've done with the CGI makes it so I can't appreciate the dancing as much because now it doesn't look as real. Mm-hmm. And that's the best thing about it to me. And that's what's most disappointing about this movie yeah. is that now, I'm losing the value of the artistic expression that is those dance moves. Lion King. No, I'm not talking about now I'm not talking about like a CG animated film like The Lion King. I'm not talking about like photo realistic cats. I'm talking about something like Cats Don't Dance or Aristocats, like animation, like proper animation, either 2D or 3D. I think that was the way to go with this with something like this. Uh, perhaps uh to me that's that still wouldn't have got me as a uh, audience member. The most interesting thing my opinion about cats is the physical dance that, that people, people are able to do and yeah. seeing them do that is the most impressive part. Yeah. This film, by using what you described like a CGI filter over them, uh, ruins that aspect for me. I didn't me need not to interested. see... I definitely don't need to see Judy Dench and Ian McKellen mm. with whiskers. I never needed to see that in my life. Well, you have. That's an image. And and you know what? You know what? I would never have gone to see Cats if it was the film I, I had just said, like an animated film or something like that. I would never would have gone to see it. It's not for me. I don't care. But you know what? I'm going to see this. And I don't know why. <laughs> uh, if I, 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 if I do a lot of I, drugs, I'll probably see this. I just looked at it and I said, yeah, I'll watch a train wreck. Sure. So listen, guys. <laughs> I, up, I live in a pre-catch trailer world and a post-catch trailer world. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I am a different human being now. <laughs> because I went down a cat's rabbit hole. That I know more about cats than I ever expected to know, and I haven't seen it. <laughs> but I had a lovely conversation with Megan about it a little bit, and I learned some of it, and I, and I read the synopsis, and I watched some clips on YouTube. I listened to a lot of memories all alone in the moonlight. This looks horrible. <laughs> and I'm so excited. I, it's Tom Hooper is an incredible Oscar winning, multiple Oscar winning filmmaker. The King's Speech is incredible. Les Mis is great. Les Mis is great. Les Mis was not bad. I really enjoyed Les Mis. What did I what is this? Uh, I can't believe we, it. We talked about how for this they built sets. The sets look yeah. great. The sets look great. And like, and that's all the more that bums me out is I'm like I honestly I'd rather see the makeup, the costumes essentially but with just big film budget yes. that you would see in the stage musical so I can at least appreciate what they're doing. This weird cat in the hat taken to the next level thing doesn't do it for me. I agree. Didn't the stage play yeah. get a VHS release back in the yes. 90s? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think a oh, yeah. neighbor of mine had it. Uh I'll tell you this, uh, this this might be one of the bold, boldest movies ever made. Like truly, like it, it is. It is a weird one. It is a really weird one. It's it, not. It's it not. Is. It's not like again. If it was an animated version of Cats, it wouldn't be talked about as much. It wouldn't be as exciting. Oh, for sure. This. This is one of the one of the weirdest big money movies ever made. That's why it, it, I'm excited because it's a blockbuster it is, disaster. Ryan, you're absolutely correct. We now live in a post Cats trailer world. It's for real. What happened was when this trailer dropped, everything changed. Yeah. <laughs> it all of a sudden became Comic Con what? Yeah, no cats. Yeah. for a day it was just cats. Forget Comic Con. Patrick Willems 
Patrick Willems tweeted, I can't wait to drunkenly barge into a party and just yell about cats for three hours. Yeah, yeah. Twitter, <laughs> like, yeah. Twitter for two days was really funny. <laughs> yeah. Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise came on stage and surprised people with a trailer we will talk about later in the next, in the next episode. Yeah. But all anybody could talk about was cats. Yes. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, uh, I want to talk about who I think thought, who I think thought, uh, who I thought looked the weirdest, and it's Idris Elba. Yeah. Oh, you mean sexy, weird, mysterious cat Idris Elba? Oh boy, did that look odd! God, you know who what? I didn't. I didn't. It was like his Rebel head Wilson wasn't cat. connected to his body half the time. Yeah, we're up. Rebel Wilson also looked bad. Yeah, James but like Gordon. because of the coat, because of the coat, Idris Elba's head looks like it's disconnected. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it didn't, it didn't. and it, again, I cannot stress this enough. Judy Dench, by the way, Judy Dench talked about how the fact that she was like, I'm, you know, I was cast in the 1981 production of Cats, and then I broke my Achilles tendons, and I thought I'd never get to do it again, and now here I am doing Cats. I'm like, oh, honey, damn it. Hey, man, some people, hey man, some people like Cats. Comes from a different time. And uh, I, t- I told you this, uh, Sparks, but uh, the legendary Prince who passed away, he was talking to Andrew, Andrew Lloyd Webber about Cats, and Prince asked him, so, Andrew, Tell me, what is Cats about? Is it about the queen? Is it about the oligarchy? Like, wh- and he's like, Prince, it's about cats. It's about cats. Yeah, yeah. So like, there oh, is no God. deeper meaning. No. It is a show about cats and dealing with their mortality. That's, that's the other thing. If you know the show, you know that it's like all these individual stories. There is no real overarching narrative except for a very small one related to the cat who sings memories. This film looks like it's trying to build a more interconnected a narrative. narrative, and uh, I also think that's super weird. Um, Again, the- though, like... It's it's Tom Hooper and I'm like man the the crazy. actress the actress playing the white cat dancer who is the main one of the main dancer cats uh, she is the only person who doesn't look bizarre to me and I don't know ta- quite why her tail's in the wrong place I'll give it that mm-hmm. yes I think it's maybe because she's all one color so mm. it's like it's maybe there's not a lot of stuff maybe to vary. I mean it's still it's still off but yeah. it's nowhere near as off as everybody else. Uh, I think the the black and white cat with the hat, he looked okay. He looked the, kind of the most We don't okay. get a good enough look at him Maybe for me to why. feel yeah. strongly about that. Okay, anyway, uh, I'm I'm good with these uh, CGI cats. Let's move on to more CGI cats. Hold oh, on, wait. Boy. I want one more thing to say about okay. cats. Jennifer Hudson's mouth didn't look like it was attached to her face. Uh, I could say that about like half this this group. That's also true. Okay, now let's talk about the other CGI uh, cats. Ben, did you have any last thoughts on cats? Yeah, no... I, I I know you're not a fan of horror movies, so <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yo, what? Because I Holy saw shit. people's reactions on Twitter about Cats and how bad it looked, and then I saw other people's reaction on Twitter of how they think Cats is the greatest thing in the world. That those who are not gonna like it have no people souls. People love Cats. Everyone. Yeah. It's like even and they're all my, wrong. Yeah, I, well. I feel coming as a theater kid, coming from from a theater high, high school theater background. And the, everyone is split. You either hate it or you love it. That's true. I I've think you never need to see cats for yourself. To I've never like seen it. it. I have had no desire to see cats, Man. and I don't know how I'm going to feel because I'm pretty sure my girlfriend's going to want to go see it because Christmas. There is a DVD production of the Broadway show. We're going to show it to you. It's going to be wonderful. We're, we're going to live. We're going to live in a post Ben watching Cats world where Ben's like, I don't get it. I really love it. I don't understand. <laughs> and we're all going to be like, Man, I just can't. Yeah, like, that's. The thing. only but, thing of Cats I knew was from that scene in School of Rock yep. where the girl sings it and she and Jack Black cuts her That's off because she are. is horrible at singing but that song. You're, you're correct, Better ben, movie. 
people either love it or hate it, which means like everyone who already loves cats, their tickets were already bought. They're one, seeing this movie. It doesn't matter. One of my closest friends oh. who's a huge theater person, I texted her. I'm like, hey, did you see that cat trailer? She's like, yo, that looks bad. I hate cats. I'm like, I okay, now I know where you true. stand. What you said, I ben. don't think it's true because what movie did we just see? That's like, Wait, oh, they, they, well, know, right. they know. Brandon, what were you going to say? Okay, Ben, I have a fun fact for you. So, so cats, uh, School of Rock uh, is your only reference to cats, right? With yeah. Miranda Cosgrove? Right. So I went to see the Broadway production of School of Rock. Guess uh-huh. who did the music for that, for that, mo- for that show? Jack Black? Andrew, Andrew Lloyd, Lloyd Webber. Webber. Oh, shit. <laughs> so there's a connection. It's, it's all, all a conspiracy. Yeah. School well, of Rock. It's, it's, like, it's like that. It, okay, there is a cat named Mr. Mistopheles in this movie, right? Hell yeah, there is. Okay, because yep. do you want to know how I know that? Marvel. <laughs> Team America will police. There's, there's oh, also a cat yeah. named Bustopher Jones. Oh, my. You're right. Oh, my God. Tugger. Rum Tum Tugger. Tum yeah. Tugger. Oh, my God. Yeah. The, it, Team America, we can't talk about the cat's stuff in there because no, it's horrific. It, it is horrific, but, but it's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. Uh, as much as I'd like I, to stay here and not move on to our topic. Hey, this is a cat's talk. Let's talk. move. Oh, shit. <laughs> cat, cats. Uh, cats. 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 Let's, nerd podcast. Let's move on to our topic. Meow. My. This movie was not very good. Cats. Why did they destroy it? Cats, cats. All right, all right. I guess we'll just... So, Lion King, uh, the absolutely 100% unnecessary remake of the original beloved classic from 25 years ago. Wow. Uh, it came out this past week and we all went and saw it and uh, obviously I'm I'm already uh, sharing some opinions. Uh, let's, so go I... for, let's go for uh, thoughts. Uh, Brandon. I forgot I saw it. <laughs> I legit, like, I remember it. But, like, I guess I either I was so busy or it was so inconsequential to my mind that I just kind of, we, I was sitting here, I was driving, actually. But when I was driving back, I was like, what is our main topic? What are we talking about? Was there a movie that came out this? Oh, right, Lion King. Yeah, we're talking about 1994's Lion King. Uh, and yeah, not, so... only, not only that, I have one more thought to share. No, please, go. Uh, after, after I went to see it, I said, you know, Mufasa's death scene doesn't really hold any weight in this film. And my loving girlfriend, who I love very dearly and almost broke up with after this moment, <laughs> uh, said, well, I didn't feel anything when he died in the, 90, in the 94 film. I felt something more in this film. And I'm like, oh, oh honey. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> we got to talk. We need <laughs> an like, intervention. I don't know if I'm coming home tonight. <laughs> <laughs> now, ha- now, to be fair, like, if you haven't seen the original or you don't have, like, a nostalgia for the original, I can get it. Yeah. I don't think this version gives you any emotions. <laughs> I think this is an emotionless movie, basically. Yes, I agree. Yeah, uh, uh, I think I think Timon and Pumbaa bring bring some emotion, but yes. it's too late. Man, uh, Ryan. Yeah, like uh, uh, what hour mark would you say Timon and Pumbaa come on? Like the hour mark? Like hour, uh, the hour mark? Hour. Yeah, yeah, the hour. I woke up at an hour. Yeah. I thinking back, I didn't realize how truly bored I was, but I was sitting there going, "Wow, this is boring." <laughs> Oh, wow, Timon and Pumbaa, they're great. Oh, they're gone. Oh, I'm bored again. <laughs> that's basically how I felt, and that's the the most disappointing result you could possibly ask for. Right. Like, unsurmountably disappointing. <laughs> ben, what's up? Yo, so like Sparks, Lion King is my favorite Disney animated film. It was the first one I saw. It was the first one I grew up loving, and everything in that movie is in the original animated movie because we Van and I wa- rewatched it before mm-hmm. we went and saw the live-action one just so... It was probably I a did bad as well. I- yeah, it was probably a bad idea. Probably we, ha- we have the 
the classic. Cause, but as I was rewatching it, I was like, man, this movie is great. I just love all the, the, act, oh, the voice acting no is joke. great. No joke. The movie starts, and I'm thinking to myself, man, this movie's great. Yeah. Oh, look at that shot. Like, oh, man, the movie's like beautiful. The second it starts with like, like, like the pure like Walt Disney presents, and then you hear the, nah, uh, there are. Yeah, you're right, Ryan. I was bored. Even when Timon and Puma showed up, I was sitting there saying, how long are we going to have to go? Because I really have to go pee. Yeah, right? And I want this movie to be done. And I really thought, if we weren't so far into the aisle we were, I probably would have just gone up to the restroom and left. I don't the worst, We've seen this the movie. Worst so. sin, the worst sin any remake can ever do is is make you want to watch the original again. Yeah. I was glad. Yeah. I was As I was watching the original, I was... Uh, I was. I know you're. Tr- you're. It's a thing to not try and compare the two as it's going on. I couldn't help it. Um, Circle of Life was a shot for shot. Like most I of could, this movie, is shot I for couldn't shot. tell when this movie was trying to pad for more time. Like Beauty and the Beast padded for more time, but you couldn't tell where they padded for more time. I could tell in this one, and I say that is a sin. Sin on you, good sir. Shame on you. Shame. Yes. What's up? Uh, hey guys, I loved it. Um, I know you didn't. <laughs> no, I was listening to your sighs. No, I, I was. I could hear you from from two seats away. No, I tried. I tried really hard. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I I, I know. So I'm gonna sucks. make a I'm gonna make a, a a weird comparison. Do it. Um, Shrek the musical. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Shrek the musical. Is uh, is is uh, Shrek the movie on stage, and. That musical takes its liberties, but when it's uh, doing exactly the same thing from the movie, it suffers from this thing where the actors are trying very hard to say the exact same lines, but not the same way, which means that because it's mostly jokes, the jokes don't work because they've changed the delivery, even though it's exactly the same dialogue. it's a weird thing that happens. I've seen multiple versions of Shrek the Musical, and th- that's true. Uh, the Lord that's Farquaad just true. song is awesome. Yes, there are things that weren't in the, the movie that are part. really good. Uh, yes, uh, yeah, but yeah. the things that are from the movie that are just straight up the same dialogue. The they're same like, thing. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna say this the same way, and thus that means you miss the punchline. Um, the Lion King uh, remake suffers from a similar thing, but it suffers not from them trying not to do the same delivery of the originals, but because they are all restricted to this rigidity of what real animals look like when they talk, and thus can't be expressive, except for Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen playing Timon and Pumbaa, because for some reason we're allowed to make their eyes wide and their mouths move in ways that are unnatural. But that's the thing. So when I was I was looking at at real lions, and they're more expressive than the animals in this movie. Yeah, but I mean, you know... King not, Kong. Not according King to Kong. them. King Kong shows more expression 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. We watched a trailer for his Dark Materials, which we'll talk about later, but that has fake animals that are a little cartoony, yeah. but they look really good in the real world. This this yeah. film was misguided. This, this, this film should not have been made. This is the first time that I've ever looked at Disney film, a Disney remake and said, you've crossed the line. This is the Yeah, I agree. This, this is the first time where I'm like, oh, this was a bad idea. This was the same argument that I've been playing for all these remakes ever since we heard they're coming out. Yes. Yeah, but okay, okay, most but of them have been good. Uh, Aladdin was good. But I love Aladdin. Ben, I love Beauty and the Beast. Then you can only Cinderella. name like two or three you don't like, and the yeah. others you haven't watched. Wait, what? How many can you name that you actually don't like of the remake? This one. Besides this one? Yes. That's it. I'm trying to think. Jungle Book's good. Cinderella's good. Now, good. Beauty and the Beast. Okay. It's not that good. Okay. But I... you liked Beauty and the Beast when it first came out. Yeah, when it first came out. Nostalgia, nostalgia blindness. 
And you haven't seen I still Pete's, like it. You haven't seen yeah. Pete's Dragon. Right, I haven't seen Pete's Dragon. Uh, so, so you just can't put a blanket fill there. Yeah, right. I, so th- this is something that's no, bothered me. But, but, but Ryan, here's my thing to that. It's not Cinderella. Yes, Maleficent. Yes, make those. Not Lion King, not Aladdin, not things I've been out for 20 but plus Aladdin's years. But Aladdin's good. They, they got a good one. That's great. Yeah. But then they, here we come with Lion King, and now we're saying it's like, yo, this is not that good. So my point is it's for different creative reasons. This is right. a shot-for-shot shot remake, which they've yeah. never done before. So this is the whole thing that has bothered me up to this point, is that whenever anybody talked about the Disney remakes, they would treat them... Dumbo's a great example of this, too. Uh, they would treat them like, well, I don't want to go see... Uh, just the exact same movie all over again. They're just doing the same things all over again. And I'm like, cool. Uh, literally none of them have been that where yeah. they're exactly the same. There's always something different. I will admit that beauty and the beast is probably the worst aggressor of that. Uh, but even they changed it up a bit. Lion King is the one that is guilty of what everybody has been saying the yeah. whole time. It is the one that went, no, straight up. This is the same thing. And the things that and that's changed- the problem because, because th- when they, when they talk about all the stuff that they kept doing it, the same shots are in this film as in the original animated film, but you just keep, but they want you to just be twisted into this nostalgia, but all it ends up doing is saying, as I just kept saying to myself, I'd rather watch the original. Uh, And by the way, Rafiki's cane shows up, and I'm not so sure, I'm not too sure what the point is when they're just like, Hello, my old friend. Is it, that for the audience? Yes, or is that yes. for them? Uh, it's I, supposed to be like a nostalgic thing, but it's a stick that he had in the movie. It's not a it's not a MacGuffin. It, it's I was, just a stick. I accepted at a certain point that I'm like, okay, Rafiki just doesn't have a stick. And then all of a sudden he has a stick, and I'm like, why didn't he have a stick it's like, up it's, to this yeah, point? It's like Captain America oh. getting his shield again, or like Kratos getting the Blades of Chaos. It's like, yeah. what's the point of this scene? Uh, so, l- like everybody knows, I'm a passionately huge fan of The Lion King. It's yeah. uh, absolutely obsessive. Uh, it's my number one film of all time. It's it's tattooed on your skin. Yes. It is tattooed on my skin. Um, this hurts me. Yeah. It hurts me to talk about a Lion King thing I don't like, and uh, that breaks my heart. And, and you know what's what's really what's really bad really bad about that? Well, you and I, we've seen the sequels, we've seen the musical. All of them are great. Yeah. This is the first thing that uh, the, the worst, franchise has I've, I've given read us. Some, worst I've read some product. children's books. I've watched The Lion Guard, which is a show made for children, and that's better. Um, yeah, th- this... There, I think what is even more aggressively bad about this is is that there's so much that exists. You just named the musical, uh, all these other things. There's so much that exists of a well to pull from where they brought more to the story of The Lion King than what the animated film had originally. And they didn't pull from any of it. What I truly don't understand is this movie is 30 minutes longer than the original, and I feel like half of the character development was like just washed away. There's like I feel like there's no character development. I don't I don't have a real sense of these characters you, except for the words that they're saying, so I have to take it as face value. You only know these characters because you saw the original. Yes. And you know and and as this movie was coming out, we talked about casting and like James Earl Jones came back as Mufasa. After seeing this, I wish he wasn't in this movie. I wish they recasted him because Mufasa has no emotional like value in this movie. I didn't feel connected to him at all. The only reason I had any connection is because he's from the original. Sure, I he delivers re- he delivers his lines. I feel like he delivers his his lines worse in this movie. He's like oh, he 80, does. he's eighty years old. The dude's yeah, well. Not, not only that, again, all of them are clearly like these are not all bad actors, None especially voice are. actors. None of them and are. they are clearly all held back. I will I will hold that I, I I've. To be fair, I've only seen Beyonce in two films. Uh, I don't think she's very good. Sure. I mean, that's fine. And I agree with you. I think there was no reason to cast Beyonce if you weren't going to have her sing Shadowlands. Yeah. Uh, the, the, I've said this before when we were anticipating Lion King. I, have, I can't believe that they cast her and Shadowlands wasn't in this. I can't believe that uh, uh, Julie Taymor, who made the musical, was attached to this film in any kind of production value at all. 
and they didn't put Shadowlands in. Like, of all the things supporting from the musical, if you have Beyonce playing Nala, you put Shadowlands in this movie. All the songs yeah. are, like, truncated versions of them, too. And they're all boring. Yeah. I was... Like, they're, they're all boring. Um, the only song I wasn't bored of was Circle of Life, and that's... And, and... That's and but the only time I was like I was still it was still wasn't my favorite because you know, I'm sitting there thinking I'm seeing the the same thing I saw two days ago uh, but just photorealistic. The, the lion sleeps tonight was also good. Okay, I will give one, the lion sleeps tonight. I, oh, I, I will, yeah, I liked. Uh, so what? So you know, I want I I do have a positive that you just reminded me of the lion relates to the lion sleeps tonight. Um, there are two moments. Uh, one, it's the Beauty and the Beast reference, and it's the lion sleeps tonight that I found to be the most hilarious sequences added to this film. Uh, because they hold it so long that you can't wonder, like, how long are we going with this? And then by the time they do break the tension, it's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, my uh, only problem with the Beauty and the Beast one is that it is, and I understand it because you're going for this sense of realism and the original does not pay to that. But robbing Timon of a moment like the hula moment, again, I get it, we're going with a realistic tone. But robbing him of that is the an example of how they rob all the characters, Simba, uh, Rafiki of all their fun. The fact that there's no part where Rafiki is singing a squ- Asante San a squash banana. Uh, the They're... fact that he doesn't hit Simba on the head with his stick and then Simba learns from it and takes the stick and throws it away. All of the fun of those characters is gone. There is no magic. I don't mean I don't mean sorcerer magic. But you know what I mean? Magic. Yeah. Like no. You, you feel it like I the Disney it. magic, except for the relationship between Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen. And again, those two work so well because they were allowed to just riff for hours. And like they work together, it's like yeah. they're the. It's clear that they were the only two people who like were having any real fun. It feels. Yeah. Like. I do, and, have, they, and they bring life to the movie when they're on it. To yeah. be fair, uh, I do have one more moment that like it does work for me in this movie. You could only do it in this way in this movie, and it's Pumbaa's flashback during Hakuna Matata. It's so when good. He's Holy a shit! Like, I thought of Holy Brandon shit. when I saw it. I'm so like, cute. I know Brandon's liking this moment too. So cute. When, when when little tiny Pumbaa showed up, I was I turned to Zara and I said, I did not expect to see cute Pumbaa <laughs> no, kill a no frog one, with his fart. Yeah. No one did. Uh, no one did, and it was adorable. That worked really well. Um, those kind of things are few and far between. Uh, yeah, I didn't agreed. hate I didn't hate Chewie until I did for a scar. I just again I, I it's I, weird he's like I hated his be prepared. Like a, he's like a so main character, I. but I still feel he's he, like underutilized. Right, I have tell you for so he he's he's. Scar looks bored. Like Scar, the, the facial design of Scar looks bored. And one of the things that I really don't like about his "Be Prepared" and the same thing with "I Just Can't Wait to Be King," both of those sequences are highly stylized in the in the original film. And you take away that stylization, you take away the fun of both those. There's both those animals moments. like standing on top of each other and like making like parades and stuff, almost yeah. like Aladdin. And none of that's in here. Uh, the "I Just Can't Wait to Be King" sequence is so horrendously boring to I watch. I was the second yeah. I heard the. Music, I was like, just cut the number, seriously. Yeah. So I, I have just few, cut all the numbers. I would argue. I have a few things to say about um, those two sequences. I'm gonna start with um, "I Can't Wait to Be King" first because as a child, that was my favorite scene in the whole movie because it was the it was the most cartoony. It was colorful. It was vibrant. S- it's See, like sim- yeah. yeah, it's Simba singing about being king. The second I heard the music start, the the music go for for the number, I'm like, can we not? Like that was the first thought that went through my brain was, can we yeah. not? I mean, it doesn't do a horrible job, but it like the second he starts singing or he lands the ground, the in the original, the colors and the background change instantly. It's like okay, now I'm in for a show. Uh, John that- Oliver is fun. Yeah, he is. Uh, he is. Uh, it's really weird. The only things I like are all the comedians. 
Yeah. John Oliver has a line where he says, one of my brothers thinks he's a woodpecker, and I was hysterical yeah. for like yeah. five minutes. Uh-huh. John Oliver is channeling his Last Week Tonight like insane character uh-huh. the entire thing, and I loved it. I thought it was awesome. So Even I. though it looks super weird. Again, like, so bad. But, yeah. but I, I, I grant them the benefit And he of sounds that. like he's recorded. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, every time... So Circle of Life, you were talking about it. Yeah. Um, Circle of Life, it worked for me at D23. It worked for me here. Because um, there was if no I one isolated, talking. If I isolate it <laughs> as just that, like a, here's a like if they'd released it as just like this fun thing we did, and it's just a live-action interpretation of Circle of Life, I'd be like, well, that's really emotional and cool. Way to celebrate 25 years, guys. Uh, when the Wilderbeast stampede happens and no one's talking, and it's the, the music of that moment and them rushing down. It works. Anytime it's the Lion King music, the score happening with no dialogue, I'm there. Yeah. And if the whole movie had been that, I'd be happy. The yeah. Wildebeest scene when they were going down in the gorge, I was like, okay, this is good. This is when, good. When Simba was on the tree, there was that was like a little tension. Yeah. I, I, did, I was like, oh, this looks really yeah. this, this is nice. There, there is tension, but you still don't feel anything when Mufasa dies. Right. I definitely did. Right. So here's so I just can't wait to be king. It was boring. Didn't like it all that much. Be prepared. Now, as an adult, that's one of my favorite. Oh, you mean slam poetry scar? I hated it. I did not like it at all. The second, I mean, even what he was when he was like slam poetry, and then when he starts singing at the end, be prepared. I was like, oh man, this. I love that sequence in the original. It's it's menacing. I was Jeremy Irons and Jim Cummings singing that song. Is like this is. Top not. I was ready to God, see some like is, fascist hyenas, man. Yeah, I was ready. This is god level Disney. The hyenas are so boring. They are so blame. But just the, hi- that, the hyenas, I really don't like what they do with yeah. the hyenas. I mean, they, I mean, people like this new movie print. That is fine for me. It just does not work. It is boring. And it just takes the gravitas of Scar becoming the leader of these hyenas away. He's just like, yo, I'm going to help you guys out. Instead, he was always friends with them. And then he's like, "Yeah, yeah he we're going to yeah. kill him. We have this did you guys plan. Catch the, did you guys catch the, the Scar being in love with Sarabi? Got it. Yeah. I actually like There was that. like one line. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. So Did not need that. There's so fan theories. That part of, so, sorry, Ryan, yeah, but that ahead. part when, in the very beginning when he, when like the first scene between Scar and Mufasa, and he says, oh, I've never dreamed of challenging you. Not again. Again. Yeah. I'm like, oh, there's some new backstory You want to know how here. I got these scars? Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm into that. I will say I did like that line. But then they didn't do jack shit with it until later on when I'm thinking, are we going to get to King Scar when he's eating that hyena and he's talking to Sarabi? Are we finally going to get some <laughs> I good didn't shit? Know. Are we going to get some good shit? I didn't no. know what- uh, Thanks, what, movie, for getting my expectations super high. Sh- you suck. What shitty clickbait or t- thing it was, but it's like, is Simba actually Scar's son? Holy shit. What? And I'm like, no. No. The answer no. is no. The answer is I'm not even going to no. click this article. I no. You the person who wrote the, wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh okay, yeah, man, like, I, I, yeah. I don't know honestly how much more I could say like th- have you seen The Lion King? Then you've seen this movie except it's not as good. That's what I've told my friends cuz <laughs> yeah. I've had friends who haven't seen it and they ask me it's like, "Oh, is it good?" And I'm like, "Have you seen the original?" Yeah. yeah? You've seen the live action one. You don't need to I'm go like, see I'm, it. It's I'm just a, it's just so lifeless. It re- it's soulless. Yeah. yeah, and like I it's the really the, the first time Disney and Disney I think is like the best uh, like entertainment like they know how to entertain people. This is the first time I'm like, "Wow, this is a truly massive misstep." Like truly. So, um, the original is uh, it lives in my brain. It's part. Of, it's a part of me. Yes, um, he lives I, in. I can he, see it. Would you say I, he lives in you? I would yeah. say he lives in me. Um, I can see it in my head all the time. So throughout the movie, I was having a really hard time when they would say certain lines, not being triggered to just see the animated version over it and being like, "Oh man, what what's happening?" And and 
constantly throughout the film, I was just being pulled back and forth on my emotions about, oh, but I love this, but this isn't the way I want you know, it. This... But I love so, it. Oh. So I, so I, you know, so I, I really like the number he lives in you. And I re-listened to uh, the <clears throat> Broadway musical on the way up to sure. Monterey this weekend. Um, the Madness of King Scar is an incredible number. Um, I feel like they should have just done an adaptation of the of the musical. Uh, honestly, uh, he lives in you. I was really kind of hoping that would find its way into this movie. It found its way into Simba's Pride after the musical, but I uh, found its way into I was, the credits. It it did find its way into the credits, and you know what? I appreciated that. Did yeah. I was yes. like, uh, I would re- I would after, rewatch these credits for that. After the Elton John song ends, there uh, Lebo M does uh, "He Lives in You," but entirely in Swahili. Oh, I did not catch that. Yeah, well, you I, were leaving I, the theater pretty pretty quickly. Also, I really I, had to pee, so I almost didn't. I almost didn't catch it, but then I was kind of like, "Wait, this sounds really familiar." Uh, and then when he does the chorus, I was like, "Holy shit! This is he lives in you." I love that song. Uh, I will say, uh, Rafiki Rafiki's cr- uh, criminally underutilized. Yes. I do like that they got a South African actor playwright to play him. Yeah, which yeah. is he's barely in the movie, so like. It's still cool that they, they gave that guy that little role. The, the, but the same, I was like when Simba was going through, I was really hoping it's to hear It's T'Chaka. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, sweet. There you go. Rafiki yeah. is T'Chaka. Okay. But I was really hoping to hear Asante San Squash Banana. I know, right? But I do, I I've, got a lovely bunch of, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. They, they don't even get that. in a row. Man, yeah. that, that wouldn't have worked with this version that of Scar. One of, that wouldn't have. But, but I mean, that is part of the thing is that just the, the characters aren't allowed to, to have personalities. Hey, one of the best uh, jokes yeah. in the original is it's a small world joke. Uh, no, anything about that if, song. I love that joke. All right. Um, so, yeah. Um, I have. I'm, I'm sorry, Ryan. Do you, no. I was just going to say, like, I, you know, Disney likes to make sequels to things. Like, don't give me The Lion King 2. They said that they have hours of footage of Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen as Timon and Pumbaa. I actually would love a Lion King one and a half with these guys. I sure. don't want another Lion King like this. Give me the comedy version, please. Yeah. I'd watch that. Yeah. yeah. One of the scenes that I was really looking forward to to see what they would do live action was the Force Ghost Mufasa scene where he finally talks to Simba and Simba realizes. Oh, you mean the thunderstorm? The thunderstorm. I hate. Uh, it with was, the occasional uh, face made out in lightning. I didn't. No, there was so much they could have done with that to make it. I know they're trying to go away realistic. from yeah they're trying to go more realistic but that scene just throw a little bit of mysticism but in there make the that's clouds the look better like a lion not just we that's always see a the, lion with a thunder with a thunderstorm in it every once in a while give us that's the, the problem though with this film the Lion King doesn't work in a live action formula no, it it's got just magic. doesn't it's got the magic, reason baby. why the Lion King works is because it is animated if you want to make photorealism Lion King it, you've already failed uh I. I uh, watched a uh, 20th anniversary uh, like whole thing of talking about the Lion King 20 years later uh, where it had like uh, all the original creators and Julie Taymor uh, on the musical end talking about it and Julie Taymor said this whole thing where the reason the Lion King is so impactful is because it is a human story told through the guise of animals. Just and like this, cats. And this lost that entire idea. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. I still stand by that I think the, this whole thing could have worked if it was dialogue-less and have been music with uh, the animals telling the story just visually. I think that could have worked. It's like Planet Earth. Uh, I think it would have been super experimental and weird, but I think everybody would have liked it more. Uh, Or make it people. 
just straight up like kind of do your own version of what the musical is, but without having to make them look like they're Cats. trying to be an- no, but don't make <laughs> them look like they're trying to be animals. Make it like tribal. Make it this whole thing. You could have done that too and explored a whole lot of deep- like the lion tribe, the hyena tribe. Yes, yes, a whole lot of richness in that, but they they didn't go for that either. I think either one of those ways yeah. would have been better than this. I know we talked about we don't like the hyenas, but I need to talk about real because like we like Eric Andre. Who is sure. one of the crazy Keegan Michael Key? Who are two oh, of the yeah. craziest, funniest comedians, and they are so underutilized and so. Eric Andre could have been literally anybody. Why did you hire him if he's uh, not going to be crazy? And Shenzi is played by the uh, second in command of the uh, Dora Milaje. Dora Milaje. Yes. So all Marvel alums, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but again, Eric Andre is like the craziest talk show host of all time. And it's, he is so boring wait, in this. Uh, I was so I was so disappointed with Shenzi. Shenzi I, I just, was. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ben, but she was played by uh, Danai Guri. No, no, no the second the man after her. Oh, the one in Civil War who says "Move, or you will be moved." From she's very tall. Uh, to oh. Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Never mind then. Okay. Yeah, yeah that that's Shenzi. Sorry, Brian. You were like, saying. The, the, sorry, go ahead, Brian. No, that's it. The, no, the, no, the, no, I, the, I just the think Shenzi is boring. Oh, yeah, right. the hyenas are the craziest people in that in that movie, and like. Again, I know you're making this realistic, but people are crazy in the real world. Why do you hire Eric Andre and Keiko Mike and Key to just talk normal? Yo, That's so boring. The, Those characters are crazy. The scene where the hyenas show up in the elephant graveyard in the in the original in nineteen in, in the animated version is so much better. It's so much because of course Simba is trying to like be all tough to Nala. He's like, I laugh at the face, haha, and then they start laughing and they're instantly freaked out. Yeah. This one, Nala's like, all right, you preview bravery, let's bounce, and then finally you see him coming from behind, and then they just growl. It's like, no, laugh and do the. It, wow, they're you, not menacing. There's you no menace. Messed this up. You yeah. messed this up big time. And there's this weird, there's this weird backstory of there's this this ongoing war between. The hyenas and the lions, which I thought was really weird. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to add more stuff to it. Like yeah. the adding of Scar being a little Sarabi, I'm like, okay, that's good stuff to add. Almost like Aladdin. But I disagree with that. I disagree with that entirely. Okay. What you just said, Ben. Remember that's how fine. Aladdin tried to add like the war between that other country? Oh sure. It's uh, almost yeah. like that. Like they're adding story that does not need to be yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I w- I wouldn't mind Scar's history with Sarabi if it was a like a fleshed out thing, a character developed thing, but it's not. It's just a kind of like, hey, we we added this. Uh, it's just this a line. Thought. Yeah, just we just we, we added this thought and Again, it's uh, I, neat. I'm I'm truly shocked. I'm shocked that this is a two hour movie where like I I didn't know who these people like these just people these, on the bed. these animals were like I know who Simba is from the 1994 movie, but like his character is not here. Like I know he doesn't. He can't wait to be. Yeah, king. you're kind. The, the, the words are there, but the emotion and the stuff behind it is gone. You're kind of transplanting the original characters onto this because you know them. This is this is an HD remaster that's worse. That's that uh, which never happens. Yeah. So um, I, again, like that that twenty year thing I was watching, they were it had like Matthew Broderick, Nathan Lane in it, uh, a whole lot of them talking about just how they knew Lebo M, Hans Zimmer, uh, they knew as they were working on it, as they came to uh, work on the Lion King, that they were starting to form something special, mm-hmm. that they like everybody was going to be taken by this. There was something magical forming, which uh, if you know the history of the studio, like uh, they had a hard time getting people to get on board to animate the Lion King when they started at the company because everybody wanted to work on Pocahontas instead because they. They didn't have faith in the Lion King. Wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Yes. Uh, so it, it's crazy. I I I don't want to say that like all there are 
these movies that can't be redone. I think even this could have been done well. It just wasn't. They didn't have any idea of what made The Lion King special, obviously. They lost everything about it that made it unique. They tossed it out the window and made a shallow uh, rehash of it. They took some of my favorite sequences from the original, one of them being like uh, Leboem and Hans Zimmer's score where Simba's running through the desert That's when he's coming good... back. And instead they shoved Beyonce's new hit single, Spirit, over it. Oh my God. Uh, oh. Which I didn't need. Yo, yeah. um, rewatching that a few days ago, I'm like, man, this that scene was... I felt that impact, the power impact of that scene because of Simba just running yeah. through. You hear the music and like the the ghost of him and his legs just running through the sands. Like yeah. he's going to his de- to to his destiny. destiny. It's he's a representation a, yeah. of a spiritual journey. Yeah, and then live action. It's a uh, Beyonce singing. I'm like, okay. And then there she is. I'm like, this is again bad. like you have an animated movie. You know that's based off Hamlet that has the animals on top of each other and has like emotional like you. It's not a real movie. Like we, you, I don't, I, I don't uh, get this. They also made, it. they also made Nala lame, and uh, here's how specifically: Nala in the original will not leave until Simba is convinced to return because he is the person she knows can make a difference. Yeah, she comes looking for help. The king in I the, know inside. In the new one, she's like, "All right, fine, I'll go back without you, whatever." And I'm like, "Okay, that's not Nala. Like, that's not that's not a strong choice." She was staying there to be like, "You need to go back." She was going to make sure that it happened. Uh, she was going to stick by him till it changed. And in this one, she just is like, I give up. Whatever. Uh, another one of my favorite bits is when Scar, in the original, uh, goes for his last pounce on Simba. It's a really striking image oh, when he's going when he's for going Simba and Simba kicks him off the cliff. Does anybody remember how Scar dies in this one, how he ends up off that cliff? Do you remember how it happens in this remake? Because I'll tell you. I, I don't. I, remember, I don't, I remember the claws on Simba. He slips. He slips oh, right. down the cliff. Doesn't Simba like try to get up? And no, then, like he no. slips. Simba, the di- Simba knocks him back. He's about to come for Sim- yeah, yeah. Simba again. He slips. Yeah. Here's the thing, because in the you're right, because in the animated version, he Scar jumps on Simba and Simba kicks him off. Fun fact: that's how you beat him in the Genesis and Super Nintendo game. Hell yeah. That's the oh, that's the only way you, ha- you can beat Scar in the last in the last level of the game. Tips and tricks. But. You're right, Scar slips, and even I thought that was really dumb and stupid. Lame. Another thing that I did not like was when Scar had Mufasa and said, long live the king. I, I get it that he you're trying to be different from the original, but at the same time, the original was just so more impactful. It was a very intense moment between Scar and Mufasa. Oh, do you mean the second time he says it? Yeah, where okay, he just yeah. looks in and says, like, once in the original, Jeremy Irons saying, long live the king, as a whisper, as silent, he's like, oh... I got you now. Simba oh, you're talking see- about the delivery being different? Yeah, I okay. hated when um, Egypt. I mean, most of um, Ch- Chuatel Chuatel yeah. Egypt for his performance. Yeah, I dug. I'm like, this isn't bad. I'm okay with this. But when he yells, "Long live the king!" I'm like, Simba he's, can hear you. He's like a more passive Scar, which I don't like. It's like, like Simba it's a good performance, he- but it's not the Scar that's like overwhelmingly like terrifying. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, uh, I'll say this: I like Scar in this better than I like Jafar and Aladdin. A hundred percent. I'll say that. Yeah. I'll say that. Like this, even though that. even though this isn't the Scar that I love from the original, this is at least a Scar I can get. I can recognize. I can I can get behind. Uh, that's just a terrible Jafar. I agree. Um, he clearly put some choice into this, at least. He made a He's choice. He's got like a soft voice, which is a cool, yeah. I guess, like, uh, I, he had. There are moments, okay? There are moments in this movie. Uh, one that I really like is when Simba happens to come upon Scar instead of, like, seeking him out uh, by chasing the beetle. And Scar's like, get out of here, Simba. I don't do babysitting. Yeah. That I'm like, good, man. That's a good line, yeah. That's, 
There are moments, but they are not. Uh, they're not enough. They're just not. It just enough. It, no. I, I, Again, like after we have Beauty and the Beast and Maleficent and Aladdin, where like these movies have have like magic and they have like crazy stuff. Like The Lion King is not the movie to do this for. No, I, I it's no. such a mistake on a fundamental level. Especially if you're going to lose everything that's like between the anime film and the musical specifically becomes so powerfully resonant about it. You lost all those key pieces. And the problem is, this movie's already made a billion dollars in one week. So. We might get something, another thing related. I just hope that they see. Oh the critical yeah, it response. beat it beat um, it beat the box office for Beauty and the Beast, I which mean, was like the, the highest box office it's, the Disney film had. It's the Lion King. It was gonna. No, I know. Yeah. I just I hope the money isn't like oh it made a lot of money. Let's do this again. Like I hope they but see, realize that's not, how, that's not how Disney works. Like you know we we you talk we all talk about how Disney uh, they create some some good content um, regardless of the business practices. Their content is is, is quality. But they still are a company that follows money. If something makes money, they keep doing the same thing hey, to make more money. That's uh, why we have all these remakes. Y- yeah, uh, they're j- they they lost the spark. Oh, simply, yeah. uh, simply they lost ways. the spark. Uh, translating from the animated to this, yeah, it's just not there. Uh, what makes it special is not there. Uh, it's really hard for me to say that because it's still The Lion King, and I still, on some level, like things in it. Uh, I'll say this: like visually, it's impressive. It obviously, is. visually, it's very impressive. Oh, it's a beautiful movie. Um, this movie is gonna set did, the stage for a lot of really great special effects. They did a really good job getting down pieces of animal behavior. Uh, the way the lions pace around, uh, the way that uh, Zazu's Timon, hornbill moves yeah. his head. Timon is an actual meerkat, meerkat. and like does meerkat does the meerkat stuff. movements? Yeah. yeah. Um, it, there are great there are great things. There's just not a lot of them. Yeah. And again, like I it's not it's not at all related, but again, his dark materials has animals in it that look just that look real, but they're not completely realistic, so they look good in a film while being and silly. I, and I don't get it because this wasn't a problem in Jungle Book. No. They're more cartoony in Jungle Book. There's a there's a huge ape. Yeah. So like I, I just like I just don't understand how nobody You have a grizzly bear and a panther constantly talking. Yeah. And then you also have Jung, uh, Mog, Mog, Mowgli? Mowgli. Mowgli, and it's the same. It's the same director too. Again, like it's, it's so weird. Like, just how did someone? How did they not see this from the beginning? Or maybe it was so far along. There's nothing they can do. I don't know. I don't know why they went into this. Like fundamentally, I don't understand why they went into this and decided not to add anything new or or bring anything that wasn't in the why anime make film to the table. So there's realistic. so much stuff from the musical they could have pulled from. Yeah. So many little avenues. Whether it's the madness of King Scar, Shadowlands for Nala, or just adding into the character development of the things that happened for Simba between <laughs> him growing away from Mufasa with Timon and Pumbaa, because there is more of that in the musical there were so many things they could have brought in or build on the history of Mufasa and Scar there are avenues to take and they did none of it not a bit of it it's 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 really disheartening it is it's like again like it is their first like wow this is a swing and a mother effing miss it's a it's a really sad thing I I hate that I have to say it let's get off this topic I'm getting real bummed out we're already going to talk more about it when we have the key thief on next month oh hell yeah oh yeah so that's Lion King. Go watch the original uh, one. D- are, are we rating it? Yeah, I'll rate Let's it. Let's do it. Ryan, rate it. Oh, boy. Final thoughts, I, rate it. I don't even know how... I think this movie looks incredible. I don't need my Lion King movie to look incredible, though. So I just need uh, my Lion King movie to be the Lion King. Yeah. So, like, man, like, on a fundamental emotional level, like, that's why I go to the movies and feel connected, and I was pretty much bored most of this movie. Like, it's it's like... It's like a five. Like, it's not that... It's not bad enough to make me hate it, but, like... Man, what a mistake. Yeah. 
five. Ben? Half a good movie. Ben? Uh, yeah, the, um, there are some good parts in this movie. Lion Sleeps Night, great at great elongate musical oh, number. Up. Um, the other th- other than that, I like I thought Donald Glover and Be- and uh, Beyonce they sounded fine when they sang Lion and Can You Feel the Love Tonight. But she then, overwhelms him with singing though. so much. She, but other than that, I forgot that Donald Glover's in this movie. His name is the first one on the damn marquee, and he's I feel like he's barely in the movie. I thought the kids were okay. The kids the, were fine. The, the, yeah. the young versions were okay. The yeah. kids were fine. It's the just, cast isn't the problem. Yeah. yeah. It's just everything <clears throat> else. You're right. The magic is gone. All the love that I, that I had. You can't going, feel all the love tonight. No, I can't. And this movie just hurts. It's like I was thinking of that. I'd rather just watch the original than waste my money on this. So, yeah, it's a five. It's. I don't completely hate it. But if I had a choice, I would definitely go to 94, and then I have three minutes extra to I do would, whatever. I would watch Beauty and the Beast before I'd watch this again. You know what? Oh, I, yeah, yeah. Easy. I think I would, too, actually. Yeah. At least that movie has like interesting stuff it's trying to do. Yeah. Uh, Brandon? So, you know the sequence in Aladdin where it's just before Genie actually sings Friend Like Me, and he's doing the little, like, Little little song and dance thing. This little, little quiet thing is like, well, Alibaba has, you know, it's a little bit before yes, he gets to the big yes. number. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. That is this whole movie. That, <laughs> bore, that kind of like boring version of the, it's like, it's like they never got to the, to the exciting version of Friend Like Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that, that is the problem. Like it is, it is just kind of middle of the road. It's not terrible. It, it's got good enough to make it watchable but you forget about it so it's not even good enough to to rewatch uh it is a it is a five it's a five i love the lion king i this don't is how love i feel every time we talk about marvel movies, version dude. <laughs> i don't love this version yeah um geez let's see uh is it as bad as venom no no no, I, I would it's watch. Still, the Lion King. It is it's still the Lion King. I know. King. <laughs> like it's just fundamentally on that being still what it is. I can still w- sit through this before I could watch Venom again. I just Venom. don't like Venom. No, I know. Um, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, I I I know that like w- there was a point in the movie. I'm pretty sure it was around Circle of Life where like I felt the. Uh, maybe it even wasn't. I'll give it the credit. I think maybe it even was when Mufasa went up to the top with Simba to do the light that everything touches bit. And I was just getting the, like, the, the music was doing the na 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 na. And I was like, man, I'm feeling it. I was getting the goosebumps and everything. And I'm like, oh, this is the, this is the thing. And it, it, this is it. And then it left. And then it never came back. And I was like, ah, no. There's like one specific scene. Like, it's at the beginning of the movie. It's, it's, um, it's just Simba and Mufasa just playing in the grass. It's like talking. Yeah. And I'm like, Wow, this is really boring. Yeah. Wow, I am. I, I should be in love with James <clears throat> Earl Jones' live action Mufasa. Right. I know it's not live action, but it looks like a live action. Sure, right? sure. I'm like, I should be loving this right now. I am bored out of my mind. Yeah. And I'm like, he that's even not a good sign. Sounds bored out of his he, mind. He, again, he's an old man recording the same lines. Yeah. His Darth Vader in Rogue One was better than this. Yeah. Yeah, that's similar. Yeah. 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 What would you what would you rate it? Uh, guy, I'm Half. gonna gi- I'm gonna give it a seven because it's still the Lion King guys. This, and no, it you still got me. That's my Marvel scale. No, <laughs> like, I feel like, uh, yeah, yeah. it. It still got me. It's it's still the it's Lion King. It's a pass. King. It's a pass. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I know it's I know it's soulless and unnecessary. It's still the Lion King. <laughs> Yo, man, again, I'll still probably wind up watching yeah, it again that, at some point. It's like Iron Man two for me. Like, wow, that's not a great movie, but I really love Iron to Man. To be honest with you, to be honest with you, I almost want to because I want to give it. 
I, not that I think it will change my opinion, but I want to give it a shot where maybe I watch it without seeing the original Flash in my head because I know what I'm watching. I haven't seen the original I, I in know. years. No, no, no. I'm telling you, it's not a good movie. No, no, no. I haven't seen the original for a while because I, it lives in my brain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just, I if I know what I'm watching, maybe I won't see the end. I just don't much. want you to make know. yourself love this movie because it's Lion King. Because I used to do that with Marvel movies and I don't anymore. I mean, I don't, don't think I, I, I don't know if I can make myself love it, but maybe I can make myself like it. <laughs> no, you, don't, you don't need to. <laughs> hey, here's the positive though. Let's end on a positive. Okay. Uh, great classic Lion King merchandise has come back around because this happy 25 years to that incredible film. Hell yeah. And there is at least some cool music. I do like the soundtrack for this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even though I don't love the, all the musical numbers that they do, the score, they do some new things with it that I love. I learned Billy Eichner. Because it's still Hans Zimmer and yeah. Lebo M. So. I, heard, uh, I learned Billy Eichner's a really good singer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. Good uh-huh. for him. All right, let's get out of here. Yeah. Uh, let's cool. move on to our Bookie Book Club. Hey, welcome to the Fake Nerd uh, Comic Shop. Yeah, hi. Um, do you have any books? Uh, can you be a little more specific? Um, anything readable? All right, Ryan, take us into our book club, baby. Hey, guys, it's time for the X Men. Back, thank you. Back You're in welcome. 2011. Oh, uh, real quick, Brandon uh, did bow out for this because Brandon did not get to read the book club this yes, week. Yes, busy guy, understandable. Uh, so yeah, back in 2011, before Jason Aaron became the god of current Marvel comics, he was writing a small book called Wolverine and the X Men. Uh, this takes place after Schism, which is a uh, fundamental break in the X Men. Did he go to? The, he went to this after he did Ghost Rider, right? His Ghost Rider run. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is like his first like big profile book. Right. Um. B- back when there were only two X Men books. Because that Ghost Rider stuff is great. Yeah. Where he's in hell and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh baby. Oh yeah. Just checking. Yeah. Uh. So yes, this book is about Wolverine running the Jean Grey School for Higher Learning. After this is after Professor X has left the school. This is after like, like I said the big schism that breaks them up. Where uh, Wolverine is the new. Charles Xavier and uh, Cyclops is the new Magneto. He has become basically a mutant terrorist. Uh, they have fundamental disbeliefs on mutants. Uh, Wolverine is like, I don't believe. Did you mean uh, different beliefs or disbeliefs? Disbelief. Sorry. Okay. Fundamental disbeliefs. Like no, about, you said that. I just wasn't sure. Okay. Which yeah. One you like meant. Cyclops is all about. Listen, we're mutants. And we have to fight for our lives. No matter if you're five or fifty. If you're a child, you are in this war. And Wolverine's like, you're insane. The adults are here for a reason. Kids should be kids. And that's the fundamental disagreement that they had, and that's where they branched off. So now Wolverine is the headmaster. What a weird concept. It's yeah. great. Kitty Pride's there being the headmaster as well. She's throwing up a lot because she's real nervous. Uh, mm-hmm. I like this book a lot because it's very, very uh, it's character-driven, and you're introduced to a lot of new characters that that you guys definitely don't know about, right? Right. These are all new characters to you, right? Okay. Um, you, you guys are interested in things like Dupe and Edie and Husk, and you get to see Toad again. Uh, I just think this is a really, really fun book. Um, it's not too mired in continuity or, or like, uh, big event stuff. Uh, it's just a really fun, like, hey, what if Wolverine was running a school? It's like fun. Uh, it's like a, it's like a fun teen book. Like the, just, the first conversation or the first panels of the book is Wolverine talking to Professor X, mm-hmm. who I mean, probably for some reason got out of the wheelchair. I don't know why. I'm not gonna question it. Uh, hey, man, he has telepathic powers. He can make himself walk. Oh, that's why. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, anyways, he's yeah, walking. Haven't around. you seen X Men Three? Sorry, go no. on. Why have you tainted this? <laughs> Why? But uh, what was I going with this? Oh, just the banter between the two. Like he's uh, even uh, at Professor X saying, "Man, I never thought I would say I would say that the name Headmaster Logan." That's a oh boy. Yes. And then Logan and just like Logan getting ready for the um, the Department of Education to come and tour the school, and of course everything goes wrong. Yeah. So so yeah, Wolverine's opening a new school and. 
if you think about like realistically, like people have to come make sure that the school is legit and kids won't be murdered and all that stuff. So two regular people have to come investigate this mutant school, and oh my gosh, hijinks ensue. <laughs> You could say that. It's also on the first day of class, too. First day, baby. Like, Husk is trying to get her class in, uh, um, like to settle down, and then she like unleashes her mutant power. I don't know who Husk is. I don't know where her power is. She turns into a monster. But it's, it's pretty scary, and all the kids shut up and listen. You know how like bugs and, and like things like, 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 like what's it called? Like, uh, molting? Yeah. It's like they shed their skin to become something. That, yeah. She becomes a giant weird monster. Okay. Yeah. She's shedding her Husk her skin. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I read this a couple days ago. Uh, uh, my memory is very bad, but I remember... Uh, Quentin Quire's my man. So it's it. What it is is the first section yes. is about because we all did one through seven. Yes. Um, of the issues, which is not volume one. It's actually uh, volume one and most of volume two. Yes. Volume one was only four issues, and right. Sparks, you were nice enough to say, "Hey, do you want to go past that?" Because four isn't that much, and I'm glad we did. Uh, especially because I, uh, I I hit the end of four, and I was like, "Nah, I gotta. Where's that going? I gotta know." Is the end of four the the the, the end of four is when it looks like it, the implication that Kitty Pride is pregnant. Right, that's yeah. a shocker. Yes. Yeah, that, uh, after sorry, but no, after I because you guys were saying it's like, yeah, we only need to do four issues. I'm like, okay, I could I could see I can read more. And then after I got to issue four, I'm like, oh no, I gotta go. I gotta right. keep going. Yeah, you turn to me, you're like, oh, what the hell does this mean, Ryan? I'm like, yeah, gotta read next yeah. Issue. So so one through three is uh kind of like the establishment of the school, what's going on with uh, Logan taking it over, and uh, the Hellfire Club kids, the new Hellfire Club yes. run by a bunch of tweens. Yes, and they uh, have an attack on the school immediately, and Kate they're Kildor. using a uh, Krakoa. Yes, the the living island, which is actually a clone of the original. Yes, it's like it's like the grandson version or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not the original one from like the sixties or whatever. Right. Which is one of the X Men's first villains. Yes, uh, a living mutant island. Uh, crazy stuff. Uh, but yeah, Cade Kilgore, he, he's the reason the schism happened. He's this really, he's just an evil teenager. And I think that's a really fun character. Yeah. And, his, and his legion of evil teenagers, who includes the grandson of Frankenstein. And right. he hates the F, he, don't say the F word. Yeah. And like he has a legion of flamethrowing Frankensteins who attack the school. Yes. Uh, it's just a lot of fun. It's a lot um, of fun. And in the midst of all this, uh, there's a very like all over the place beast who I really enjoy throughout these issues. Beast is really good in this. Beast is really excellent. Yeah. He's hold, He's trying to hold everything together as best he can. Um, yeah, beast and it was off the walls. Uh, no, those, go on. No, no, like, no pun intended. But he was like, even when Krakoa um, was attacking, he was like, "Man, they're never. I built a school on top of a living island. I'm never gonna let that. They're never gonna let me live that yeah, down." Right. Or even when, um, like when, but Katie was like, "Hey, people have sh- come and they don't want, and we don't want them to shut us down. So please, like, be normal and talk to them and like do your magic. Yeah, beast and, do your thing. And he is just like." Doing all this crazy random stuff that, uh, that if I was a, an inspector for the Board of Education, shut down immediately. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah. Even when Logan says, oh, yeah, this is the danger room. And they're like, excuse me, what? So those first three issues are about that whole Hellfire Club attack thing. And uh, the second and third issues open in ways I really enjoy, which is the second issue opens with the history of choir. And this is uh, Logan and Captain America talking about him. Hell yeah, this is good. I really love that. Uh, this whole idea so that Logan's I. like, look, you take him, he gets imprisoned, he turns into uh, a shitstorm of a person. It, let's give him this one chance to maybe make something different of yes. himself. Quinn Choir is an Omega level telepathic, like Charles Xavier esque mutant yes. who is super rebellious, super teenage and very angsty. <laughs> Very deadly class. He yes. is uh, well. I, I got a de- I mm, words use them. Okay, there we go. When you said because uh, we were talking about it in the car, when you said deadly class, I got that vibe after I was reading it. But I thought more he was like lead singer of the Sex Pistols, punk, <laughs> yeah. anti. Yeah. He was like down that with the kid. man. Yeah, like he graffiti's. I'm a political prisoner. 
and he's just like that's like screw you. He's like anarchy in the in Westchester, New York, so, man. So when I say Deadly Class, I do mean specifically there are two characters in Deadly Class that are the punks, uh, the punk kids, and they are that. Billy. They are this, yeah. those characters, and that this gave me like an X-Men vibe version I, of that. I love Quentin because he's so egotistical, and he's like, how do you guys not know who I am? I'm the reason that the X-Men broke up. And then he's like, whispers like, wait, do you guys really not know who I am? Like he's yeah. so he's so yeah, he's uh, so uh, like wait what you don't know who uh, I am self conscious yes and like he just wants to be so he wants to be he wants to be loved so hard but he's an asshole yo he's kid, Damian Wayne created kid, by the same guy Kid Gladiator is just Warbird. like wow. wow like I love Warbird like she gets a crush on uh, um on Iceman later on Aww. but then like uh, um Iceman just like he figures because there's this great another great flashback I want to say in issue two of three. Ice, oh three thank you. Uh, issue three of Wolverine and Iceman talking, and Wolverine saying, "Hey, I need you to step up. You have the most untapped potential. I need you." To- like, and then Bobby, Ice- everyone loves you, and you're always a fun guy. But I need you to be a leader for once in your yeah. life. <laughs> and he does that, and he creates all these different Icemen, and everyone's like, "What? Yeah, you could do this." And this comic's great because it goes so much further. Now Iceman is like one of the most powerful mutants in the world. Before this, he was Iceman. He made ice stuff. There is now- even a joke in that same book that says, "I'm not the lamest X Man." I'm like, "No, yeah. you're not. I love he your is not. Power he set. could freeze the entire Earth if he wanted to." And this book is thankful for that. Like he, he just needed he needed the pep talk from Wolverine to be like, "Listen, you're a kid. You need to be a man." And and it's really great. And also, he makes out with Kate Pride, and I thought, "Oh, that's a relationship I can't wait to read about later." Yes. Yeah. Oh man, Bobby Drake has. They've had a, a lot they've of had, ladies. They've had a history before too. Oh yeah, prior to this moment. Yes. Um, yeah, I really liked uh, the Bobby step up stuff. The the it coming out of the flashback. I love Choir connecting with Krakoa. Yeah. Uh, and uh, simmering it down. Uh, I love the Bamfs running around. Whiskey, 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 whiskey. whiskey. Yeah, <laughs> I really love them. And uh, this the three issue arc for the Hellfire Club stuff ends with Matt Murdock coming to uh, giving Kate us a Kilgore yeah. and give, <laughs> suing him, suing him, yeah, yeah. Uh, and saying Wolverine is suing me, and he's like. Yeah, and he said, uh, "Right back at you, punk." Yeah, <laughs> like, right back at you, bud. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, the the Hellfire Club are able to uh, make Crow really mad. They have some type of electronic electronic leash on him. Yes, yeah. uh, they can kill him. Yes. So Beast is able to negate that. And he's like, "Your electromagnetic leash has been severed, but you've um, officially lost, you naughty naughty children." Yeah. And then a well, um, choir, Quentin, Quentin Choir. Yeah. Thank you. Choir is able. Kid to, Omega. Yeah, Kid Omega. He's able to sever the, the psychic connection. And then when Rachel Gray finally gets in, he was a, she's, he was a, a daughter clone from another universe. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, X-Men. X-Men. I think he's crying. He wants to be an X-Man. Yeah. He's yeah. like crying. He's like, hey, Alfire Club man, do it. He's crying. He's like, guys, he wants to be an X-Man. Doesn't and the Wolverine's like, all right. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't Choir also say like, yeah, you just lash out because no one loves you and blah blah blah. And he's talking about himself. You're lonely. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. very much Rocket Raccoon from Guardians Two. In yeah. This. yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my yeah, god. He's talking so to, to he's talking to Krakoa, and then Krakoa is like the best defense system ever. And even later on, they're like, hey, since the school was destroyed, another great line is when uh, um, Xavier is telling Logan's like, hey, be prepared to like when the school blows up. But then they're out. Uh, Husk has her kids outside, and they're like, "Yeah, we're, uh, man, I wish there was some shade." Krakoa just makes a tree, and she's like, "Oh, thank you, Krakoa." And they're like, "Man, that is so freaking sweet." Yeah. yeah. So at the end of this arc, uh, they're broke, so they yeah. need oh. money. So oh. issue four is a lot of like kind of resettling and like letting you get to know the characters and uh, letting you get to know Brew a little better, Edie, uh, all of them. Uh, Brew is an intergalactic alien part of the Brood, who are a hive mind group of monster aliens. And introducing Genesis. Yes. Man, I, I am so glad we read past issue three or yeah. four because Genesis is like the best thing about th- that part of Marvel and it ties directly into Rick Remender's Uncanny X-Force. So Genesis, I was, when I first saw him on the page, I was like, 
he looks very familiar. I'm trying to place it, but He's I don't. A, yeah. And then later on, when Death when Death I almost called Deathlock. Death Deathlock. Deathlock shows up. And we get that reveal. I'm like, oh no! He's the he's a clone of Apocalypse. Yes. Who in Uncanny X Force, um, Wolverine and the X Force are sent to kill Apocalypse, not knowing he's a child. So they get to Apocalypse, and he's he's like an infant. Yeah. And they and they end up killing an, a child. So they feel so bad about it that one of the X Force members clones him and raises him on his own. Right. And that's where the uncle stuff comes in. And I'm not gonna tell you more because that's X Force stuff. So uh, issue four is very focused on kind of resetting the board. What's going on? Letting these characters kind of breathe for a moment. Bringing in Genesis. Also bringing back Warren, who has to the minds of the others lost it. Yes. Uh, and deems himself a proper angel of the Lord. He has and, pure white eyes like an angel. Yes, he's and uh, as hell. and Bobby's very upset and distraught about, it, and he's like, "We need to look after him." And Logan's like, "Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, what like, I want you to do." Like Warren flies away, and because his family is crying about their dog who was hit by a car, and he's like, "Oh, I'll bring it back to life." And they're like, "What?" He, he unburies the box, and he's like, "I'm going to bring your dog back to life." And Wait, he's like, say "Angel, like, this is not as this is not as cool as you think it is." No. <laughs> right. But then jumping ahead, he actually does. Yeah, which that's is like yeah. some implications, my so, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then issue four ends with Kitty Pride appearing to be pregnant out of nowhere, and that's where we carry into the arc of issues five through seven, which is about s- essentially two things: what's happening inside of Kitty Pride and Logan and Choir going into space to a space casino to try and make money to unbankrupt the school. What that part <laughs> is just bonkers. Guys, did you hear what he just said? Wolverine and a child oh, no. go to a space casino. I heard you. Yeah. I understood this it. This is why I love the X-Men. Like, it's like we're it. in the Dragon Ball Super of X-Men. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, when I was reading it, I'm like, what the frack? And yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, Quentin Quire's a telepath, so he can help Wolverine cheat. And this is the biggest casino like in the universe. And of course, like they, it's, it's on a casino called Planet Sin. Of yeah, all places. they have like telepathic worms that can like tell if you're cheating. They have all this crazy stuff. There's like... Like the traditional, like I think of, tw- I think of the Twin Peaks guys, like casino owners, but they're aliens. Yeah, yeah. And there's like a couple of weird aliens, and like there's the racist joke. Like anytime a human or a, or a brew show up, there's always stealing. You're like, dude, don't be racist. Like, right. What a great line. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or even when they bring out the worm, and they're like, okay, this worm it just soiled itself and died, or we got a bad worm. Yeah. And then they're like, they're talking. It's like, get the thing. It was, and they're like, ah, I don't want. It. it was like, do you really want two humans to go outside with eighty quintillion credits? I'll get the thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah all, but, all the alien stuff's really funny. Or then freaking choir, he's like talking to Wolverine and uh, like giving him hints about b- being at the blackjack tables, and he's hitting on these two alien ladies. And then he goes all you you. And then when they get found out and start had to, having to fight their way out, he goes all you you. How could show him? Gets a spirit shotgun. Oh yeah, yeah. a psychic shotgun, and it's great. So I we I have to talk about this real quick. We have to talk about Deathlock because Deathlock is a super silly character that's not utilized in the comics sure. a lot, and this is the best use of Deathlock maybe ever. Ever. He yeah. was in Agents of Shield and it kind of sucked. Uh, Deathlock is one of their substitute teacher guys, right? He's like, Greetings, mutant youngsters. I am Deathlock Unit 117, manufactured by Roxxon in the year 2030. I've come to talk about you. I've come today to talk about the future with you. The future is a violent and terrible place. Know that at least 43% of you will be dead before reaching adulthood. Uh-huh. And he's like, You're going to be dead. You're going to be dead. Here's, you might- here's your percentage chance of this or this or this. Yeah. Here's your percentage chance of this. Quit inquire. You have a 30% chance of leading the X Men or a 26% chance of destroying the school. Uh, yeah, Kid, Gladi- <laughs> Kid Gladiator's almost 50 50 on. He's either going to join the Avengers or he's going to fight them all <laughs> yeah. and, and he's like oh well, I'm happy with that and that is such fun stuff because that's fun setup stuff that writers can use in 
decades to come. Right. Like, really and this, fun stuff. And, and we this see is, stuff. Uh, this is the exploration of Genesis's possible future because Genesis asks Deathlock what he sees. And we and see like, yeah, no, I'm not gonna uh, tell you. a Genesis gone very far where the other X-Men characters we've just been introduced to are, are farther along. We see like Clearly adult Quentin Tw- Quire and Edie or relationship. Yeah. He's like the leader of the X-Men. Like that, that's the future shit I love. Also, I don't know if you guys saw the, the Comic-Con news about the X-Men, but there's an adult apocalypse on one of those teams. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. It's uh, great. This is, this is also very cool, very exciting. Uh, what's happening in Kitty Pride is a whole bunch of brood. She is not pregnant. No, and she's been infested yo, by micro broods. And it's a up. whole distraction from a space scientist who's here to come for brew. A, a, a brilliant, world-renowned scientist who resorts, a galaxy-renowned who scientist. resorts to murder because even a scientist needs to murder every once in a while yeah. to get results. Yeah, and that's such a crazy, fun character. He's like a space scientist. He's like, you are acting out of nature. You are the one brood who's talked about in the galaxy. He's like, like, he's like a crazy space Bill Nye. Yeah, he's he's like evil, almost like evil Bill Nye. He's not even evil. I don't think. No, he's not. He's, he's just uh, trying to mor- correct. He's he's morally. Uh, He's militant. Gray. That's what more, he is. More He's li- militant. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Brood is this really sweet, nice alien who like who's trying to he's trying to be friendly. Where they're all they're like the Chitari, they're evil hive mind. So he comes. He's like, listen, Brew, you are not normal. I respect you a lot, but you have to die because you're unnatural. Because you're unwilling to. You don't kill. Yeah. And that's totally unlike you, bro. And that's uncool. And then and then uh, it you know a whole lot of stuff happens inside Kitty Pride's body. It's really great. Uh, Kitty Pride is in danger. There's a there's a giant there. The, the the magic school bus is happening inside Kitty Pride. Yeah, yeah. And, and I literally thought like, wow, Miss Frizzle's going crazy. Yeah, uh, and Brew uh, goes off on him. Brew goes for this, which is awesome. And this also has uh, the end of uh, the last issue we read. Issue seven uh, is Logan with his legs broken, which you said leads into Logan being in so a wheelchair. So yeah, at the casino they have some type of weird device that can like dis- that can like mess with excuse me Logan's bones, and like nothing can mess with animantium, so it messes him up. But it sets up Wolverine being in a wheelchair for the right. next couple issues, which is oh chef's kiss, baby. How do you make a guy with adamantium lose his legs? You, it's so good. I love it's it. It's funny because when they said I'll get the thing, I thought it was gonna be Ben Grimm. Oh, the actual thing? Yeah. I didn't even go there. No. I mean, okay, so I, I originally when I was reading, I was like, they're not going to, but if they do... I will say the thing does join the Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's like seven years later, okay. so it's a little early. But uh, st- but still, am, am I wrong to think that? Because no, then yeah. when the guy holds up the lantern, I'm like, okay, that is a thing. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, when he says, I'll get the thing, I'm like, no. Uh, so the one other thing I want to touch on before we leave this behind is uh, Toad as the custodial janitor. Yeah, man, talk about a redemption arc. <laughs> Poor Toad. Uh, he I just wants right a bed, here. man. Yeah, so after the entire school is destroyed, everybody leaves Toad to fix it. And Toad's just like, um, I'm not the only one who has to clean this up, am I? Hello? Anybody? And I'm like, wow, that is really, really no, sad. At the Okay, one of the things um, I want to touch on um, in the Kenny Pride arc and uh, the second one is that it was a really good fake out because she thought she was pregnant and she almost calls up Colossus. Yeah, because they dated. Yeah. yeah. And she's about to freak out, but she hangs up and then finally Beast takes her in. He's like, all right, I'll figure out what's going on. And then he's like, oh, shit. Oh, oh, yeah. shit. Because Kenny's shit. like, uh, I haven't had sex in months, so this is weird. Also, yeah. I'm immediately nine months pregnant. Yeah. Right. So something's clearly on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so it's like, okay, that was like, like half bullet dodge and then she's talking to Iceman she kisses him back and I was like oh that's sweet but then uh, Warbird's like grr uh, what what else what the- I have a couple I got a couple choice lines that are oh, really like and then we got uh, like Krakoa is like oh if you need money just tell I'll me I'll just make he diamonds can, he yeah. can grow diamonds so from other, trees so Lo- Lo- Logan does not need to go to space They're no they can make diamonds now. Uh, here's a when Logan is talking to Deathlock uh, uh, it's great because like people are like oh we should just get rid of 
uh, Evan Genesis because he's Apocalypse. We should kill him, right? And uh, Wolverine's like, last time, last time I checked, Locke, Deathlock, you had the brain uh, of a soft-hearted supercomputer inside the body of a bloodthirsty psychopath. So maybe you ought to know better than anyone. DNA does not make the man, which is Wolverine's whole thing about he is not the animal he was. He's trying to be a good person. That's what Deathlock's whole thing is. That's what Evan's whole thing is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like this a lot. Yeah. Let me see what else I got here. Uh, yeah, the kid deserves a chance of his own, and I'm not going to kill him for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. I got the oh, Kid Gladiator is the Lord of the Heart. He's just yeah. on Kitty Pride's heart, just destroying monsters. That's yeah, pretty cool. Just destroying the brood. Yeah, I love that. And I got one more. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, there's this great line that Bruce tells to Edie in like the first arc. Was like, hey, how's too? Is it too soon to like um, request marriage? Yeah. Like now, whether now would be like yeah. too soon. That's, That's so really sweet. good. Uh, so yeah. Um, uh, so, so the Doctor Spaceman, he's like, this guy's like, I don't understand. Are you some sort of space-faring bounty hunter? And he's like, not exactly. I'm an extreme zoologist. My name is Professor Zando Starblood, and I'm here on a mission of science. And then later, Zando and, Starblood. And then cut to the next page, or when they're talking about it, and he's like, wait, the professor? And he's like, oh, you've heard? They're like talking. He's like, oh, oh you heard of me? I and, love that. And Brew is all too. like, dude, I've read all your books, and he's like talking. I was like, wow, yeah, this is weird. This, yeah, uh. <laughs> Uh, I've read all your books, and he's like, I, I have crossed three star systems just to kill you, young broodling. I do not, I do not imagine one bad review will make this difference. I, right, <laughs> like he's a super fan. That's yeah. so cute. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this. I'm this glad. was I'm a really thoroughly glad. enjoyable X Men run. I enjoyed all the characters on display and the story. This is a was excellent. A fo- this is forty two issues of of almost the same creative team the all the way through. Jason Aaron wrote all of it. There's a couple different artists, but like this entire run is super fun. Yeah, I know uh, the art changed from the first art to the second. Yeah. I kind of dug the second art um um art a lot. Yeah, but I mean that's just my art taste. No, they're both yeah. They're both I, the, both are great. I just prefer the second one. No, I feel yeah. Um, I feel like Chris Bocci, like, the first artist, is very cartoony and like and that's like I know I think you'd appreciate that more because you like the more cartoony stuff. It's it's simpler lines. I like the design of like Kitty Pride and Logan a little more. I love the uh, way the Logan looks. Around. He does not look a goddamn thing like Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Yeah, I just I love this interpretation of Wolverine. Like the beady eyes, like super bulky. Like he's really short. Like there's a scene he's walking next to Beast and other people, and he's the shortest one there. And I'm like, it's not a it's not a big deal for a lot of people, but like, man, I love ugly fat, not fat, but ugly tiny Wolverine. I love that. Didn't one of the kids call him Professor Snicked? Yeah. Oh yeah, probably. <laughs> I think I might have been Beast or something. No, it was but, uh, it was probably Bobby. Uh, one last line I got. It's uh, it's when Beast. So after the uh, the two uh, uh, school department people, they get uh, they get uh, they turn into monsters. They turn into a Sauron and, and a, a Wendigo. Wendigo. Which is just the stupidest shit. I love it. It's but, so uh, dumb. It's but, so great. Uh, I'm trying to find it here. Hold on. I got it. Beast right here. Yeah. Beast is able to sway sw- 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 them. Sw- sway them. Charm them. Woo them. Yeah. Sway and woo them. And then he tells a joke. And then the mathematician says, and that, dear, is how you extradite a scatter plot. And she's like, oh, Henry, you are such a devilish wit. And they walk out laughing. And I'm like, God damn it, Beast, you're and beautiful. And <laughs> they forget everything that, that happened in the yeah, last, the last 24, 24 hours. So they don't remember how bad it was. didn't they're turn just, into a giant dinosaur They're or just going to give up a passing yeah. grade. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think this run's really fun. It's also great that Krakoa is in here because I think Krakoa is a seriously major character in Jonathan Hickman's current run because there's a lot of sea and plant stuff going on. Uh, so we'll see. But uh, this is a nice, you know, uh, a little look back at like a little period of history that not a lot of people rem- talk about. Because, you know, Bendis came on right after this. And, like, sure. nobody cared anymore about Wolverine and X-Men. They cared about all new X-Men. Sure. Uh, but I think this is an incredibly fun run. And, like, you know, the X-Men, like, those movies are great. But, like, this is what I think of the X-Men. I think a really fun school stuff. Sure. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really did. Uh, let's get Brandon back on the line. Hell and yeah. And we'll f- end out our episode. Super duper.
Okay, so that'll do it for the book club this week. Brandon, you're up next week, buddy, and I think you've got your Hi. title. Yeah, I uh, was actually going to be the one that I tried to change it to when I did the Sherlock Holmes one. Uh, it's going to be Witches. Oh, Ben's going to have a good time. No, I've read this I've, book. I've read Witches. Hell yeah. I like Witches a lot. <laughs> Everybody's read Witches, so we'll, we'll, we'll enjoy this. Hell yeah. Okay, yay. I like Witches. <clears throat> uh, wait, wait, so if we've all read it, um, I mean, it's been years. But no, dude, I don't no, remember I, I a damn thing. I need to read I know, the first we, volume. If we've all read it, there is a one-shot. There is a one-shot um, sequel comic. Uh, if we want to add that, we can do that as well. Sure. It's called like Bad Egg or something. Well, yeah, we'll, like something like that. We'll check it out and we'll add it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah okay. So let's. Uh, we'll do that next week. Um, Scott Snyder and Jock next did that book. Yep. Next week we are seeing Mike Matola. Yes, we are. Which is a lot of fun. Uh, I will not be on, but... Are you um, kidding me? Are you serious? (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm not. Um, I I will be there. Good. Uh, So that'll be fun. Uh, That'll be a first. Um, Wow, is it really the first time? It's the first time we'll be together in person. That's crazy. Yeah, because you were on the first episode that he was. With I was on the first episode yeah. with him, but you over just the phone skipped every other time. Cause yes, stuff. Yeah. Uh, I've had to miss all the others. So he will be he will be with us to do another Mike's Impossible trivia challenge, and we have a special we have a special episode that we're going to do with him as well. So uh, yes, uh, yeah, uh, check out our YouTube. Uh, fake nerd podcast channel where we have uh, our fake nerds watch our basement arcades yeah, our baby. episodes Almost of at this we're adding some other stuff I think Ryan and I oh. uh, Ryan and Ben and I came up with a new show today oh my god <laughs> oh, we we'll did. tell Brandon about it off oh air. my god oh, we did. Um, basement arcade merch on our team yeah public. basement arcade That's yes up. basement arcade merch uh, we are a Funko affiliate please use promo code shop 10 for 10% off your purchase uh, by clicking the link in our description uh, you can find our merch, as Brandon was saying, for Basement Arcade, Fakener Podcast, Miscellaneous, all on Patreon. Uh, well, sorry, not on Patreon, on T Public. Sorry, and uh, more all to links come are in soon. the description. Uh, you can support us on a Patreon to help keep the lights on if you like. Uh, I want to say thank you to everyone who listens to us, and of course to our friends over at Downright Nerdy Podcast, who I've been having a enjoyable conversation about uh, Star Trek and Comic Con and the Lion King all week. About I, um, can I just say I think that i think so we are now at 360 followers on instagram uh and we have had a steady growth of about two followers a day and i think it's because of them so thank you yeah (laughs) appreciate you guys huge Uh, thank you also want to say thank you to jeremy velucci who you can find on instagram at jeremy velucci keyboards uh that's v-i-l-l-u-c-c-i and he does all of our theme music that we use here on the show he also has his own show, Suburban Proctologist, which is not currently on the air, but we are working on getting it back around. Uh, you can also support that at facebook.com slash official or Instagram at subprocpodcast. Uh, I'd also like to thank our friend who we're going to see next week, Mike Matola, yeah. who makes our logo. Uh, you can find him at Mike Matola on Instagram. Uh, you are welcome to get involved with us on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, all Fake Nerd Podcasts, or email us at fakenerdguys at gmail.com. Uh, you can also contact us individually. Uh, Brandon, where are you? I'm eating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. No, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. Excellent. Ben, where are you? Ben Magnet 27 on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Ryan? DJ Tony Snark at everything. And I'm Sparks Witty on Instagram. S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Rate and Review, wherever you get us. And until then, we will see you <coughs> next time. Stay fake, nerds. Go watch the Catch trailer again.
Oh, Asante San, squash banana. That was almost a good penis. Boom. I just, I just let it cut off too quick. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Hold up, let me try it again. Boom. Oh. See, that's what. I, that, that, that's the idea. That's the best penis right there. That's the best <laughs> dick we've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. All right. Oh shit. <laughs> Look at that. All right, Ryan. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs>